Hey, everybody, it's Timmy Gibson here with you for the Timmy Gibson Show, the podcast. What is it called? I don't even know. Peckers is what pyramids. What, the, there's another P pyramid, out there now. Pimps, pyramids. Every and show peckers. we ought to add a P on there. That way people would know how many shows you guys have done. Well, Lance, you know that we should add the word praise in yes. there somewhere. Yes. Pimps, pimps, pyramids, uh, praise. Peckers, peckers, peckers and praise. praise. Um, yeah, so we're back for the fourth in a series of four, four guys just hanging out and talking guy stuff. And then today we're actually going to talk specifically about manhood. So what does it mean to be a man? What is it? Chest on the hair, hair on or the walls. On the chest. <laughs> <laughs> what, like, you know, it's funny. I, what, what, de what determines whether someone is a man or not? And we were talking about this right before we came on here. Like it's, and I said it mildly, I said, I feel like maybe manhood is under attack. And some of you are like, uh, no, it is under attack. And I wonder like, why is that? Yeah, and what is it about? Question. I don't know. That's a good question. Why is it under attack? Yeah. And I don't even, it's like, what, what about manhood is, is so offensive? Like for those that have a problem with it, like, like I'm, I, I don't know. It's just, it's a weird, it's like very weird to, to hear it or to, to feel like it's being said. You're like, wait, what? Like, should I be embarrassed to be a guy? And well, like as we're all sitting stuff? here trying to process, we know that we're going to step on toes. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's like, how do I answer this with the, uh, without pissing off absolutely everybody? <laughs> uh, well, yeah. That seems to be the struggle right now. So I, yeah, I don't know. As I'm sitting here trying not to offend absolutely everyone, just most of the people. So what is manhood? Well, that, it, like you said, that's what's under attack right now. What it is to be a man is under attack because you have a certain outlet of people or a group of people who want to, let's just say, blur the line of, of what it is. And, uh, you know, can can women do the same things that men can do? Can men do what women can do? And then there's the the people who don't identify as either. Yeah. And I think it's when that movement <laughs> that shit's just odd to me, but I, I um, agree. Yeah. And sorry, I probably pissed everyone off now. Yeah. I agree. It is kind of odd, but I think that's where it really started when the movement of uh, what gender fluidity and when people didn't know which restroom to use, that is when I feel like the masculinity really started to get attacked. Yeah. So I don't know, within the last what three or four years, yeah. You know, whenever Target and Starbucks all decided, you know, we're just going to make a restroom for everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, use what you feel comfortable with or what you identify as. As people kind of push back on that, that's when the attack started, I, I think, personally, yeah. on, you know, what it is to be male. Yeah. I, for me, like, it's always been very biological, simple to me. And, and like I said, I, I'm, I'm ignorant. I don't know. This is just in my head. I'm just going to say what I'm thinking. And that if you have a penis, you're a man. Mm-hmm. If you have a vagina, you're a woman, though. I don't care if you want to identify as something else, but you still are, are, are a guy. If you have a dick, right. I mean, that's it, where I think the distinction between gender and whatever this other femininity and masculinity is, whatever yeah. you, that that's called is, is a different conversation. You're right. Biologically, if you're born with a penis, you're a male, right? But but we know that lots of people don't identify always as a male sure. who, so that to me is then the, the, where the line gets, you know, crossed back into 
femininity and masculinity. Yeah. Which, you know, it's odd. I guess it's only odd because I personally, I don't care like what someone does. I have a good friend of mine from high school. Uh, well, actually junior high and high school and in junior high and high school, he was Michael mm-hmm. and now he's she's Michelle. Michelle right. <laughs> and that makes sense. And, and had the full, the full, uh, what do they call that? The full like transformation. Gender um, reassignment yeah, surgery. Like the, I think the that's the whole technical, thing. Is maybe? that the technical term? I think I could be wrong. She's awesome. Yeah. I, and I have no problem referring to her as her. And, you know, um, I mean, she is. She's, she has a vagina now, you know. Uh, so, and and I knew her in, in elementary school and high, or even elementary, uh, junior high and high school. And oddly enough, for her, I never looked at her as at that time as a gay man. Mm-hmm. I always looked at him as a woman trapped in a man's body. Uh, oddly enough, like I know that every situation might be a little different, but I remember specifically always thinking he's a girl, like he's a girl and he just was born with dangly parts, you know? Uh, and so fascinatingly enough, now she uh, says that same thing. She said, yeah, I just, you know, when, when I came out of that surgery and it was all cut off, she said, I felt so whole, so right, you know? Um, but now she did that transformation or assignment reassignment surgery as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's a lot of debate and, you know, stuff going on in the world right now about teenagers thinking they can make that decision. And, uh, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not big on that. Um, I remember myself as a teenager, I didn't know what the fuck was anything. <laughs> so to, to reassign myself <laughs> at, at 12, 13, 14, there's a lot of decisions we don't trust our kids to make. A lot of simple decisions yeah. we don't trust our teenagers to make. So how in the actual hell are we going to let them decide something as as life changing as their gender? Yeah. Or you know, even going through the surgery or deciding they want to change your name from you know Beth to Bob or whatever the the situation yeah. might be. You just you're kind of set. This is my opinion, and I'm, I could be wrong. I feel as a parent, you're setting your kid up for failure. You're setting them up for, let's say, unnecessary bullying or confusion. I, I, I'm not on board with the idea of letting the teenagers decide it. As an adult, you do your thing. Yeah. You know, please, and by all means, and I, I, I will call you what, whatever your preferred pronoun is. You can't even get a, you can't even get a forever tattoo until you're 18. Correct. Right. So you can't I mean, be tattoos forever, right? I mean, not really now. You can get it lasered off, but uh, if you have that thing cut off. Yet it's or not coming have, back on. <laughs> They're not reattaching it. It's uh, you've done you. Yeah. Well, I think it's important also that it was I was actually reading books about communications between the sexes. I was reading articles and stuff like that, and I accidentally googled the term gender communication. And huh. It's not about how genders communicate with each other. That's how we communicate our gender to the world and i i was like four paragraphs into this article and i was completely sucked in before i even realized i'd stumbled on the wrong shit but you know it, it was actually really enlightening to me you know because there's stuff that we do that is ultra male and there's stuff that we do that's maybe more feminine and you know how that all comes together you know decides how we're betray- we portray ourselves to the world you know and so i mean i'd say somebody that you know got got gender reassignment surgery you know they have pretty severe this 
you know, just a pretty severe disassociation with their biological gender. But, you know, I think it's important to realize we all do at some level. Yes. Like, I'm a big iron worker. I like to beat shit with hammers and I got a forge. I make swords and all that stuff. But I also enjoy Broadway musicals with my teenage daughter. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just important for us to keep that in mind. I'm, I'm the way I am, you know, part of it's probably biology and part of it's probably because, you know, I was raised in a culture where guys put out fires and beat shit with hammers, you know, but, yeah. you know, also I've learned that I like Broadway musicals with my teenage daughter. Right, know? right. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's another thing I think that's, that uh, often like for the Democratic Party that, that rides on uh, free choice uh, and the Republican Party rides on um are not free choice. Uh, yeah, my right to choose. What's what am I? The abortion. The, what are the two topics? It's it's pro life and pro. Oh, thank you. Pro-life, my mind was all over the place. I've smoked too yeah. weed, too much weed today. Uh, pro pro pro. I do <laughs> pro life and pro choice. What I've learned about the Democrats, or at least the Democrats that I know, they're like, well, yeah, I'm pro choice, but I'm not pro abortion. And so I I think that oftentimes there can be some blurred lines whenever we get into masculinity and femininity and all this, that they can't cross over. And it's like, no, well, for fuck's sake, they can. I know for me, you know, on one hand, I've got tattoos, you know, over a hundred tattoos, like motorcycles and like guns. And, but then, you know, on the other hand, I go to Justin Bieber concerts and Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus and, you know, like, and I can go walk through parks with a girl or my daughter. It's like, you know, I have a feminine side too, and there's no, to me, to be a man doesn't mean you have to only like man stuff, you know, cause I'm not really big into sports. I don't give a fuck about sports. Honestly, I would, I could make fun of it or what I really think about it, but I don't want to like offend all my guy friends that love sports. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just think I just do, I have an opinion about all that stuff but I'm a guy, you know, uh, it's like, I like a lot of guy stuff, but then I like a lot of stuff that might not seem very guyish. Have you ever felt like, which is interesting. I thought about this and I was, you know, kind of teeing this subject up and I thought, you know, Kyle and obviously we like sports a lot, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so that makes me in some ways feel, you know, manly, right. Cause men like sports right. and, and getting up and hollering and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Did you feel like ever in, Growing up, not liking sports, that it, that it somewhat emasculated you a little bit. I don't mean that in the strong sure, sense, sure. but but was there ever a little bit of like, you know, where, where, why don't I like sports? And there's a lot of guys that don't like sports, right. but did you ever have those feelings? Yeah, not really. Because when I was growing up, I played baseball for seven years and then I played tennis, which, you know, tennis was a little bit, you know, a little bit of a feminine sport. Dude, tennis is fun. Uh, I know. I tennis is fucking tennis. awesome. Yeah. I love tennis. It's a blast. Yeah. Uh, and it worked for me. I played varsity. And so, yeah, it, it worked. But no, not really. You know, for me, I was always, and maybe you guys remember this growing up, but I was always bent more on the art side, you mm. know, so I liked art and theater and drama. And, you know, I kind of bent that way on some things, but then, you know, I was playing baseball and, and even went out for football, but I was, I was really thin back in high school. Um, and it was, it was a little bit rough, you know, it was a little bit obviously, but I mean, it was a little bit rough. I didn't want to break legs and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it never really, never really, I've never really challenged my masculinity. Um, I just, I never felt like I was the typical 
man's man, you know, the grizzly. Well, honestly, kind of like a Kyle. Like I, I didn't feel like <laughs> I wasn't like the guy, guy, rrr, 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 you know, that guy. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not handy. I don't. I'm wondering if there's, you know, I'm just tossing this up here because I'm just looking at it now. Is, is in order for us to be, this is not fully baked in my own mind, so it's probably going to come out really uh, rough, but I'm wondering if there's not, if you're just fully man's man and you're just like, you know, no, you've got nothing in common that you can kind of understand the soft, emotional, artsy, whatever the other side you want to call right. it. Like, the way our world works, it's not just imbalanced like that. There's there's male, there's female, right? So yeah. are we more fully human when we can be more balanced between, you know, male and female in some sense? And that you're going to be wired if you're a female a certain in a certain way. Males yeah. are going to be wired in a certain way. But should we, if you're a male, should you spend some time trying to understand more how the females wired? Because yeah. We live in a male-female society, and that makes you then more whole as a person. You kind of yeah. see what I'm. Oh, it's to me, it's exactly like politics. Yeah. Well, as, as far as like the male-female thing, like I've been, like I said earlier, I've been reading up on female issues because I'm really fucking bad communicator. <laughs> I've been working on that, <laughs> but man, it, it, it it's actually amazing the differences in the way we communicate and the way that you know that changes how we think. I mean, I'm sure nobody here at this table's been talking to a woman and she's been talking about her day and it going all shitty in a situation trying to like shout out solutions or you know let's yeah apparently that's not how females do things right you know? and like i i'm like an alpha male communicator all right yeah. you, you come to me with a problem man we're gonna sit down we're gonna fix it we're gonna get out the drawing squares we're gonna come up with a solution you know and when i read that in that article i was like jesus fuck so many fights i've had i had with my wife before we got <laughs> became very very clear to me you yeah know? because you know a lot of times you know they say are verbal unpackers and they just want you to sit there and listen you know and so that's when i you know that's when i learned to make concessions and be like okay listen I, I need some clarification right now are we solving problems or do you just need a bit and have to listen yeah you know and then the other thing is guys we, we get stuff dumped on us we like to unpack it by ourselves and then approach it later you know and uh, women do not like that and so you know that's when i learned you know to say hey listen this seems really important can i unpack this some and we'll hit it again in two three hours you know yeah and you know but you know just it, it amazed me how many differences there are in the way just in communication and the way that you know a typical male communicates or a typical female i mean it was really eye-opening so do you so learning that do you feel like that's just your lot in life because you're a male and it's kind of like, and if I'm a, if I like girls, I probably need to understand how they communicate more. Is it more, is it more you, now that you know that, is it more you trying to learn it because you just want to have compatibility and, or, or is it something that you're kind of like, I should probably learn some of her traits, like, you know what I'm saying? A little bit, some of the characteristics yeah. that they, that they're dominant in. Well, the, the thing is, I mean, I don't, I don't think we have lots in life. I think if we, you know, really take a stab at it, we can change pretty much anything. That being said, I don't really care to, but I right. can have, I can take that into consideration when I communicate, you know, I mean, we can, I can make provisions like, you know, if, if, you know, somebody's just going on and on and on about all these problems, I can take that pause and say, Hey, listen, before I say anything, are you just wanting to unpack or are you wanting to offer solutions? You know, what, are we, you know, are we in attack mode here? Are we, you know, yeah, you know, cause you know, the thing is, you know, I, and I tell people this, you know, I work with divorce groups and I tell guys, I'm like, listen, Guys and guys and guys and dolls communicate differently. That does not mean that one's bad. Mm -hmm. 
That does right. not mean that one needs to go away. I mean, if I'm sitting in a project meeting and we have a problem on a job halfway across the country, going straight into attack, let's solve this motherfucker now mode, that's very, very good. You know? Well, so, you know, we have these traits that, you know, we we picked up or evolved or, you know, however, it doesn't really matter how we got there. But, you know, they all have their benefits and they all have their detractions. And it also helps me because then I know, you know, I, I know when something I'm saying and being a compassionate human yeah. i mean i want to understand other people and how they communicate whether male or female mm -hmm. you know yeah. i mean i've met men that were way more emotional and and you know operated differently but um yeah i, I would 100 percent agree with that steve that it, to me that's just a sign of being a compassionate human i think the, the older i've gotten you know just a few years probably five to ten i've appreciated the more i've realized that diversity is my friend here you yeah know i mean and it's complimentary it, yeah and and as opposed to you know the contrary position and i'm like okay well that's not what i'm looking for so i'll go find someone to um you know basically confirm what i want to hear i think whether that's you know someone from a different culture if that's male female but I've just really began to learn that I am very narrow-minded and, you know, tunnel vision in a lot of ways. And and having the different perspective is really key, especially on making good decisions. Yeah, it's so complimentary because, I mean, typically, you know, women are more emotional, men are more logical, right? Not always. But I think where we get in trouble from either side is where we start shaming the opposite for being, you know, well, you're just too emotional telling a girl that like, what, or a woman that I get in trouble for saying girl, which is so wild. I'm, yeah, and I don't know, like, I literally have had people say, you can't say girl. I'm like, why the fuck not? I say guys, guys and girls. Anyway, women, um, it's like to shame someone for who they are right. is, is so not helpful. You know what? All you guys think about is sex. Yeah, that is all we fucking think about. I was fucking born this way. Like, I can't change it. It's like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I am just wired like this. I, you know, it'd be like making, trying to shame me for my, how tall I am. Like, I was born like this. Right. I, I can't change it, you know? <laughs> now, I can temper it. I can control it. You know I mean? I can, whatever. I can become the best version of myself, but to, to require me to not be how I'm wired. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like from some of my gay friends that, uh, you know, the whole nurture nature thing, which I don't even know if that's even a debate anymore. I think it's hundred percent, um, nature with some nurture in there, just like all of us in, in some way have nurture involved, but you know, they, one, one of my friends told me one time, because imagine Timmy, if I told you, you had to be gay and I was like, yeah, like that's, there's no way like that. I, no, you can't even imagine. No, I can't even like, there's just literally that's never, ever not even, I couldn't be drunk enough. I couldn't even be blacked out. I'd wake up. Like, there's no way. Um, he said, that's how I feel like I'm yeah. homosexual and yeah. there's no changing it. You know, I listened to, um, Adam Hamilton at a court. Mm, yeah. Four or five years ago. And I knew he was doing a message on homosexuality and, and I wanted to hear it. I mean, that was, and so, um, I won't get it exactly right, but he's, he, he basically kind of outlined that 
you know, we as a church have been harsh on these people and, or, and, and in the end he went through his whole message and he, then, you know, as most sessions go, you, you know, they stop preaching and then they come back in and they do a song or something. And then he comes back at the end kind of just to give that last little yeah. you know, tie the, the bow on it. And he said, I know many of you are sitting out there probably saying, you know, I love the sinner, but hate the sin. I hate that, that I fucking you, statement. I want to caution you that when you're talking to a homosexual, that you're basically saying when you hate the sin that they're homosexual, you're hating them yep. because that's who they are. And that just, I never thought of that before, right? And I love that he said that because exactly the point that you're making is that a lot of times, you know, if we think women are being too emotional or they think that we're being too sexual, you can't shame someone for being something that they just are wired and built like that. That's not fair to them. Now, yeah. you know, if they're harsh or angry or something, that's an improvement, like you were saying, that you can improve and become a better version of yourself. But, you know, I can never change the fact that I have red hair. I can go get it dyed. Right. And, but it's going to it's going to grow back red. Right. Sorry, that was a terrible transition. Did- <laughs> <laughs> Everyone follow that one up. <laughs> I mean, where, 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 I'd like to go back to that question of what what is the man part that's under attack? I mean, because I hear Joe Rogan talk about it, mm-hmm. um, and I, 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 it's like a vague to me. Like, what exactly is the problem? I don't think that – I mean, I'm interested in your other perspective. The angle that – if someone said that to me, this is what I would think is under attack. I think what's under attack is because it came a little bit from the Me Too movement, I think what's under attack is, is – I'll probably really botch this, but – I think women feeling like they've been under the thumb of males for a long time in the professional workplace for one. Gotcha. And then men not being in tune with the, the that, and then kind of then us coming, then then once we get in our hand slapped, us come and be like, what are you guys talking about? Well, you liked it. You loved that I was giving you all those compliments and, and not really understanding from where they were coming from. Right. I uh. mean, it's, I think that's the part. I don't think that, again, this, there's probably lots of different angles of this where folks that I've talked to, they're not, un, they're not wanting to attack the male for us being maleness. They're, but they're, they're, we're under attack from us living in a culture or world for so long that's allowed us to be assholes and us being them, them saying you're an asshole sure. and us just turning the blind eye and continuing to be an asshole. Right. Um, and I think some of those characteristics as males, we do that, you know, yeah. it's, and then, and then it, it turns into one of those things where it's like, you, you don't understand what, what, what you, how you made me feel. I just watched Michelle and I just watched the morning show on Apple TV plus or whatever they call it, you know, and I didn't realize it. it it's the Matt Lauer story. You know, it was, it's, it's him. They in the show. They've got it where they got the little button under the desk and the door closes a lot. I mean, it's there's a lot of details. There's no doubt that it's about the Matt Lauer thing. And when you watch shows like that, I appreciate that that they're in drama form because they allow you to feel yeah. what the female, what what the female felt, and what you know again how it was portrayed in the movie. Um, who's the guy that did the the, uh, Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Yeah. He's he's the Matt Lauer, I guess, in this situation. Oh. He's the you know celebrated morning show host. He's made tons of money for this show. So 
all the executives and everyone knew all about all this and they just turned a blind eye because he was he's the deal he's right? the product he's the product he's wow. what brings in all of it and you know when you when you watch the story unfold you can see from his perspective why we as males act the way we do and i can't look at him and say i look at my own life and think man i've i've done probably some things like that where i didn't read the room right or pick up on what was getting sent back to me, but not understanding how the female felt in those situations, I think is where the male has, we've not done ourselves a good service and we've not tried to understand where the female has felt in that way. And then I think that's then when it comes back to us is our, our masculinity is under attack. Gosh, I mean, this goes all the way back, you know, my mind goes back to like, where's this stem from that? I'm like, uh, the Bible is pretty covered in man is the head woman is subservient in the tail man is in charge. He's the leader of the home, the protector. Like as I'm sitting here, as you're talking, my mind is going, Holy fuck. Like no wonder the, the, the modern day, like the Bible is becoming more and more as much as I love the Bible. And I, I, I find many of its teachings, especially the words of Jesus to be powerful and impactful and good and all that. I, I find a lot of it just completely outdated. I mean, there's no way you can read the Bible and not see that it is a man's book. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, and if you don't see that, uh, I don't, you're a fry short of a happy meal. I mean, it's in there, you know, I mean, it's like as clear as day, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, goodness gracious, getting approval to come talk to the man and, you know, having to bow. I mean, like as a wife and the fact that a man could have untold, you know, wives, which now that part's kind of cool, but <laughs> so in that, theory yeah, maybe not right. that literally <laughs> you know that that yeah that's that you couldn't do 700 like solomon no that would be that'd be fun for like a week yeah. like a vacation right. right like let's go on vacation with 700 women yeah, like I'm that sure would be fun <laughs> yeah like i can't afford that you know, they didn't have Viagra back in that day either. <laughs> he might have been in serious I trouble. Know, no doubt. Gosh. But I guess it I guess it really is a cultural thing. And um it's kind of like similar to, you know, in when you look at our political landscape, right? It's been dominated by a um white male. I mean, when you look mm -hmm. at you know, and so if you're an African American, you look at that and you think, where where am I being represented? Yeah. Where's the females? White female. It's a white male dominated run country. And, yeah. And I think if you take that concept and you apply it into other areas, it's females are still fighting the fight out there to be recognized as, yes, I may physically look different with you. I may be wired differently, but I can still bring something to the table. To Absolutely. Run this oh, of just course. As good as you can. Yeah. As much as I was steeped in in the religious hierarchy of you know God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, men, <laughs> women, you know, like yeah. as much as that that I I always have felt one. I've, you know, of course, I've always loved women a lot. I've always liked girls, women, girls. Uh, women, women. Dang it! <laughs> um, 
you know, just uh, so I have always felt like, well, of course, a, a woman can do most anything I could do within reason. I mean, I like I don't like if if I could be C, like a CEO doesn't have to be a guy. I mean, like you know what I mean, like even a, the president of the United States at some point, maybe sooner than later, we'll have a female president. Okay. Like I don't give a fuck if they're smart enough, they're qualified. They good do a good job. I don't care if they've got a penis or a vagina. It doesn't matter to me. So sometimes I, I can't see the problem and, and much like, uh, masculinity or femininity, or even, uh, your sexual orientation, uh, uh homosexuality destroys the marriage. I was like, what? No, it doesn't. Yes. I'm like, how is Steve and, and John, how does that affect me? It doesn't affect me. I never understood that. I never understood how that, well, a marriage between a man and a woman. Oh, it's like, what? Well, 50% of us heterosexuals have effed up that marriage. Uh, right, yeah. So yeah, I'll yeah. tell you what fucks up marriage is divorce. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> right down the middle. I know. I know. I have got a good friend that we're raised in church together and uh, he, I think he just celebrated 30 years with his, uh, sp his partner spouse. They got married now that is legal, but they were together before it was, you know, whatever. And yeah, 30 some years they've been together. None of us are yeah. making it 30 years with no, a spouse at heck, this point. No, nope, gosh, not happening. All right, guys, we're going to take a short commercial break. We'll be right back with more man stuff. So talk, we ended right then about man's, I said manscaping, and then someone said man explaining. Man explaining. That's the man the woman comes out with a razor. Wait, wait, wait. What are, we, what are we talking about here? You know, that's funny. I tell you, so working with a lot of the singles that I do, I've been surprised by the women that have told me, though, going back to this manscaping actually that a lot of guys aren't aware of this what? Oh, really? i know really? that they're that yeah like it's uncapped and, un, and i'm like oh no i'm like no. God, this guy whoever that is like they're not getting out in the world enough man like you need to like holy shit i mean i did i did a class i actually did a class i did it at outlaw cigar and we had oh goodness i think we had like 12 guys there and and there were a couple of them that were like, wait, what's manscaping? And I'm like, uh, please tell me this isn't like really you're being serious, you know, that's but that's probably a little difference in generation though. Like my dad would have never said something like that. To oh me. no. And, I'm, and, and again, you know, how old are your kids? Are they teenagers? Yeah. 14 okay. and 11. So. so, you know, when they get to be teenagers, they, you know, it's a little awkward sometimes some of the things anyway. So I got two boys, right. And, <laughs> and I'm not like, you know, sit down and let's have a discussion on manscaping, but I'm like, shave you know, that boys. Say something like you need to keep things kind of clean. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to softly kind of encourage them that you need to keep things kept up down there. You know, yeah. I'm hoping that they figure out what that means, but you know, that's probably a lot of the reason people don't understand what manscaping is. I've, that would be something my dad didn't even you know, sit down and talk to me about the sexual stuff, yeah. let alone that type of thing. I mean, they, so, okay. Speaking of manhood or uh, this whole topic, this is something I hear over and over and over again. Requests from women is just, for guys to clip their fingernails, to keep their nails clean, to shave the hair off the back of their neck and like to take care of themselves. You know, it's, it's when we talk about, and I don't know if, if men either a, they were just never taught, you know, which is very possible. You know, I, 
uh, that you just were raised in a home that that never, ever came up, was never talked about. Your dad was just a grizzly old guy and, <laughs> you know, um, but gosh, you know, it's, sometimes it's the simple things I think that, uh, make such a big difference. You know, I mean, I, I saw a guy the other day, I, <laughs> I couldn't take my eyes off of it, but his ears, he had full growth, like a mustache on his ear. You know, I mean, there was so much hair there that it wasn't a matter of plucking. I'm like, dude, you need to like fucking shave that. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? But then again, I guess, you know, it seems so appealing to me. And those guys do that waxing with the nostril. Yes. I've seen that. Oh my God. That looks like it hurts. hurts, But then I'm like, Oh, I would love to know what my nostrils feel like. Oh. <laughs> You're going to smell everything. <laughs> That's the thing. You know what? So here's how kooky I am. I've not done that for one reason and one reason only, because I hear that your nostril hairs are what catches bacteria. Mm-hmm. So yep. I've never wanted to clear all my hairs out. Now I keep them. For, if they're growing out of my yeah, nose, right. I get those fuckers. But uh, I don't like to take all the ones from up in there. Um, yeah, I don't want to have especially in the, in the age of corona oh, don't want that corona getting yeah, up my nose <laughs> no gosh i mean i so i don't know if that if guys sometimes feel like well that's a you know getting my nails uh, trimming my nails or, or filing my nails that that's a girl's thing i mean are there guys still around that think I mean, that they way maybe these nfl players right they 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 go to the spa and get their hands and feet done and a lot they, of a lot of them have them on staff they have pedicurist, manicurist. Uh, I'm sure there's a technical term for who does both, but they keep them on staff and uh, get them done. Now, see, for in my situation, you know, my father left when I was 12 and didn't reappear until I was in, well in my 20s. So during the time where you're going through all the uh, changes uh, as a as a boy, I didn't have anyone there to kind of show me the ropes on what you should do. But I've always been huge on manscaping. Yeah. Like ever since it started sprouting in, I'm just I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of of hair on the body, and so. You know, hey, we talked about the things that guys do that might be a little effeminate. Well, I'll, I'll take care of that hair, and yeah. I keep myself pretty smooth yeah. all up and down. And yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so no, it's. It, I don't think it has a lot to do with your parents. It can, anything can, but ultimately, I think it's just kind of how you want to present yourself. And I've never wanted to present myself as a huge grizzly bear looking kind of thing. I've always tried to keep everything neat yeah. and tight, shall we say? Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, it goes back to, um, for me, anything that I feel I need to grow an area that I need to grow, I'll dig in and figure that out. You Mm -hmm. know, like I've been on ever since our podcast last week, uh, on, on investing and everything here, I am 50 fucking one years old and just now really looking into like investing. I mean, I, I have a, you know, I have a mutual fund, but I mean, like really doing it as a, as a, not just an income earner, but as a retirement plan, like, so, you know, I mean, like really doing it, not just like, Oh, I have, you know, a few bucks in there, but like really looking at a long-term plan. I'm 51, you know, but I was raised in in an, well, true, true. Uh, You know, I just was raised in an area that, you know, you just work, you earn your, earn your living, you know, you just earn it. Um, And die at your desk. Yeah. Yeah. That's the old school retirement plan. Just keep working until you keel over dead at your desk and then you're done. Yeah. Happy retirement. Yeah. Yeah. And when I think about it, like this is a guy topic, retire. I'm curious. We'll start with Kyle. Mm. Are you planning on like 
retiring. I was just trying to marry Rich. Oh, <laughs> I need a sugar mama. If there's any sugar mamas out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> I'll take a sugar mama. That'd be nice, yeah. man. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to even think down that road with having two young daughters, uh, you know, with potential school costs and whatever else comes up with teenagers and things like that. You know, uh, when I started my job that I've now been at for over six years, you know, I've been in the 401k since day one and, you know, just hope against hope that that's someday going to to get me to where I want to be. But no, when I start thinking of retirement stuff, I, you know, my palms start to sweat and I start to get real nervous that I've kind of screwed everything up being at 40 years old and already having two open heart surgeries. So who knows how much retirement I'll actually get to enjoy. Uh, I think the dying at my desk might be my best plan. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. no, I, I should have taken it way more serious a long time ago. Yeah. Like when you enter the workforce, you know, get in the 401k and just let it start. Just let it yeah. keep on going. And if you leave that job, great. Roll it into your new job. But anytime I would get a 401k and then leave a job, I would just take that money yeah. and, you know, do God knows what with it. Probably nothing intelligent. But yeah, now, hindsight being what it is, I wish I had spent more time focusing on it. Yeah. I'm gonna, and we're going to do some book recommendations too on on investing that I heard about that everybody should read. I'll, and I'll mention those here in a minute. But Steve, yeah, what about you when it comes to retirement? And- oh, yeah, retirement. Right. I have my first kid at 21. What's retirement look like for you? You say you're going to retire. What is See, that? That's the question. You right. know, um, you know, honestly, I'm probably going to slow down. You know, I work for a family business, so you know, you know, hopefully by then the guys will be at the point where if I wanted to go to Greece for a month, I could. You know, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't think I'd be happy sitting at home in the easy chair. You know, I mean, my my dad, he's, he's like 74, 75, and uh, with COVID, he's quarantined, you know, and he hates the shit out of it. Now, yeah. You know, he used to come into work and he'd kind of run around and then, you know, watch Fox News until he got mad at his desk and fell asleep. You know? But, <laughs> you know, he, he liked, you know, he was doing out. something. Yeah. And, you know, I think that'll be a full time too. You know, so, you know, I always thought that, you know, if nothing else, I'll go work in a hardware store and organize a fucking plumbing department so you can find something that he wants. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, isn't that crazy how that actually does? Like, even when you said, I thought, what? That does actually sound like a nice way to retire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, but yeah, I don't think I'll ever sit in an easy chair, but I'm yeah. definitely going to have the financial means that if I can't work every day again, I could, you know, if I want to go do something, I can, you know. So, That's awesome. Yeah, I've got kids since 21. There's very few points in my life where I can just take off and go wherever I want. So I'm going to play catch up later. Yeah. What about you, Lance? Uh, I definitely want to retire, but I think not retire in the sense of, you know, play golf and all that. I, I just, you know, even a long extended vacation, like coming off of the holiday break here for a few weeks, you know, I, I just start to lose it after a while. I mean, I can, I enjoy reading, um, you know, I enjoy, you know, going out and pussing around the town, but I feel like I need to be contributing towards something. You know, I don't want to just read to read. I like to read to you know, broaden my knowledge so that I can contribute back in some way. Yeah. And I don't ever see myself as, you know, just kind of, you know, taking the easy road. I think that I, you know, when I turned 50, um, you know, I started to begin to see myself a little bit less as, you know, boots on the ground doing the, the tactical stuff at work as much as more wanting to kind of mentor and lead at a higher level, you know. And so, yeah. you know, some people, they like to do that when they're 30 and get into it. Wasn't you know I, I was more about you know 
building things and all that and developing things. But I've learned or started to kind of sense my own self that, you know, I'm ready to kind of move to a different place in my life just because of my age. And I'm, you know, I think it's hard to, when you're, you know, 30 or you're 40, you might be, you just, you think completely different. And then, because I did, I was like, oh, I don't think I'll ever retire. I'm just going to keep working and working. And then, but when you get older, things change your perspective. I mean, there are, you know, our brains are not good at being able to forecast the future and know how we're going to feel. We think we're going to feel the way that we do now in future 10 years from now. And that's not true. Not at so all. Many things no now, way. You know, you yeah. having open heart surgery, right? I mean, mm-hmm. things, you know, something can change tomorrow that might change your perspective. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's so don't don't try to think, you know, the way you think about something now is going to be the way it's going to be in the future. It's probably not. And, you know, I don't know when it when I get to I don't see myself retiring like it's 60, 65. I think I'd like to still be engaged, you know, it, you know, somewhere at 70 or something like that. And then, you know, if I could be on some board somewhere or I could get a little gig where I was mentoring, you know, yeah. something like more that. Advisory, advisory or more. Yeah, where I can, you know, kind of have a little bit of an easier life, but still engaged or whatever. That'd be perfect. Yeah. So I, I'm, as you guys are each talking, I'm, I'm thinking about just where I'm at in my own life as a clearly a middle-aged person. Don't feel like it, but I guess I am. I, mean, I got a, I got a, some card the other day for some discount. Like I could, uh, I could, have, I wasn't ready for that 65 and over, but because I'm in my fifties, when you're 55, you can, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, just a, <laughs> like, damn. Yeah. Like I get the yeah, senior, I, I get half off at red Robin, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> Um, or golden corral. But as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, what, where I'm at in my life now, my brain, I don't even think remotely the same as I did when I was in my twenties or in my thirties, like some of the thoughts and the things that I either a care about, or it's so completely and utterly different than what I would have ever thought. And the th- like you said, things that weren't even on my radar, there wasn't even on my radar certain things that now it is my radar. It's like the very first thing in the, the my vision. Um, so back to your point, what, what I'm curious about each of you is what book or couple books or seminar or something that has really shaped you or helped you expand and how helpful are books uh in your journey of life so so not just around finances or right like anything anything. Mm. um yeah books have been incredibly instrumental in my journey um it's just the way i'm wired and i can absorb something with a book you can go at a little deeper than you can in a podcast, I think podcasts are great ways to, you know, kind of have a little bit of an entrance into the subject and then you bounce into the book. And, and but uh, a book for me that was incredibly instrumental in my journey was uh, called Transitions by William Bridges. And someone recommended it to me uh, right out of my divorce. And I've just absorbed that book over the last 10 years. Um, you know, the concept is just, well, the thing that I read it the first time and did some underlining and then went back. And, and then when I got married the second time in my divorce, I, I went back and I was like, man, I, I missed a lot of the point of this book. Because the whole point of this book is really about how you can grow from a self-growth perspective in this framework. And the framework is you start with endings 
and then you go through this odd middle ground of a neutral zone, and then you come into the last area of zone that's called you know the new beginning. But a lot of times, right, when we get divorced or uh, we you know lose a job, job's a little different because you need some sort of way to you know you know financially um, take care of yourself. But we don't spend the time understanding why something. Right. And looking at our own self to understand and relationships is a really good one because you don't have to be right back into another relationship. But we're so emotionally bankrupt at that point, right? That we're right on Tinder or Match immediately, right? And, <laughs> I need a woman. Right. And it, just because you're so emotionally disrupted at that point that, that we you don't you don't know how to control it. And so we start getting buying crap or you know, just doing weird stuff, right? Because and that's his whole thing is just stop and slow down and spend. It could be a year, it could be six, but you need to figure out why that last thing ended and how you contributed to that. And then, then you slow. And I've I've seen this in my own life. You slowly kind of start to go into this neutral zone where things are weird. You're you're not under, you're not really sure how the world works, and you're not really sure about yourself. And you know, it's a little bit of kind oh, of yeah. where I feel like I am with my spiritual journey right now. Yeah. And then finally, you come out of that naturally into a new place. And that's when you're ready to take on something new. Yeah. But that's the third step. Yeah. It's not the first one. What we do is flip it around. We, right. We get out of something and right back into something really quickly. And this book is just really profound. It's a small book, but I after I've read it two or three times and underlined it and gone back to read my underlines and thought about it. And it's fascinating to me just the the profundity of how this little framework of endings neutral zone and new beginnings can really fuel your own personal growth and it's in transitions yeah we grow the most that's cool yeah mine was of course the bible but anyway <laughs> <laughs> what about you steve <laughs> do you find books do you read i read a lot yeah i mean before you say what you're going to say i just heard a quote that uh the average American or the av average human or the average American reads one book a year. The average CEO reads 25 a year. And they were talking about, you know, leaders, leaders or readers or whatever, but they said, yeah, you could be a leader and not read, but any and every good leader is a reader. <laughs> awesome. So you're done. It's a poorly executed coping mechanism. <laughs> uh, as far as books, are like really affect me. Um, I, don't, I don't read a lot. Of, okay, I do read some of stuff, right? But uh, I, I burned through a bunch of them. But uh, really, yeah, I got. I got. I got to give Dale Carnegie a shout out here. How to win friends and Oh, best. The book came out what the thirties, still very applicable. Yeah. Um, and I will say, when I was reading up on communication stuff, there's a new book, not new but newer out there called uh, "How to Talk to Anyone." It's by this lady from Lounge. It's 92 short snippets, and I, I I read that every week because I'm an introvert guy, and I suddenly found myself single and out there, and I was like, I, "What's her premise?" Can you? It, honestly, it's just like little deals about how to handle different situations and start conversations, you know, and, uh, you know, how, how to leave a message on a phone, on a phone call where they're actually going to call you back and, you know, just little tips, you know, there's no like big theory she's explaining. It's just like, hey, dumbass, here's what you do here. Here's what you do here. And I need that. Very anecdotal. Yeah. yeah. And it, 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 
it's actually a very good book. You know, I, I just bought my sister a copy of it. And did, does she give advice on calling it the girl that you're interested in romantically? Oh, I'm interested. Uh, say yes. Uh, send me over those notes. <laughs> no, no, I think I think there's another book for that. You know? yeah. But no, it's uh, but no, it was, it was definitely a very helpful book. You know, it, if nothing else, it makes me mindful of communication and dialogue. You know, and then uh, outside of that, you know, I've been reading, I've read, read, listened to a lot of uh, Peter Bowman's management guy. Yeah, yeah. he's written a lot. You know, I'm not even gonna list. There's a lot of different books out there. Oh, a ton. And they're great books. All of us, everything I've listened to, listened to and read by him has been great. I've really liked it. You know, the thing is, managing people is managing relationships. Yeah. So, you know, if you're reading about management, you're learning about management, you'll be better in, in your job, which I started reading it because I was a very tactical thinker, and then all of a sudden I became, you know, a big boss at the company, and I had to look at the strategic and, you know, working with other people, which was fucking horrible, but I'm, you know, we're, getting, <laughs> we're figuring it out, but, yeah. You know, uh, and then, you know, as far as like spiritually, I really like the writing of Carmen Ujirakti, and it's particularly How to Catch a Snake. Um, it, it's oh. kind of a uh, presentation of Buddhism that's very tactile in the real world. It's not, you know, it's not something you're going to read for, for a vocabulary test or anything like that. And, you know, I think he's, he bills himself as a uh, Buddhism for the non Buddhist. Oh, cool. You know, which I, I really like. I read it, and I read it right after my divorce, and I read it. Actually, I was reading it when I was in Reno. Somebody stole it from the fucking table. <laughs> wow. Karma was going to get them. I hope they don't read that. They're going to have some cognitive dissonance. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, it, it helped me a lot because it taught me a lot about, you know, where I'm putting expectations on people. And, you know, what do I want to take hostage to? What do I want to say? And all that. Yeah, I highly recommend it for anyone, even if they're not interested in Buddhism, because it just, because it's different Snowballed, you know. I mean, I reached out to 
I reached out to a friend, and then I reached out to, you know, I went to Christian Men's Group, and it mm-hmm. took me a while to find one that wanted to grill me out because I was the big fan of Jesus. But you know, I found <laughs> some really great guys, and they reached back, and, you know, I did the counseling. I mean, it's, it's just kind of a, you know, and I think that, like, you know, the whole interpersonal, being an interpersonal stuff is, like, you know, uh, just kind of a side effect of that, you know? Yeah. And like you said, he used to be at sitting, at, sitting in the room at a party or something, and nobody would talk to, you know, not, not talk to anyone. While back, Timmy said, you're, you're a great conversationalist. And I was like, yeah. nah, that's not something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't usually hear that. I say you got great hair. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> His last picture, he had to leave early. And he was like, Steve, get everyone together and talking. And I was like, oh, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, 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 I think the thing that books bring to the table, and I'm curious what Kyle, where he's at on this, but to expand my mind. Oh, really? I mean, it, I feel, especially me particularly, just because I was raised in a, I had a great upbringing. I, you know, when I say this stuff, it's not like I don't like my upbringing. It was just a very, you know, very narrow-minded, very black and white, the Bible, this, that, and the other, and very Christian, and, you know, whatever. And, you know, now I'm just reading books and I'm seeing things. I'm like, Wow, there's like a whole world out there. I mean, it's just, it's like the Truman Show when he gets to the end of that bubble and he's like, holy fuck, you know, like there's a whole world out here. And it's just been, I, I sometimes feel this feeling of, of, um, I don't even know what, I don't even know what the emotion is, but it's like, there's, there's, there's not enough time to read all the books. You know, like I, I want to consume it all. Like when I think of, you know, uh, Morpheus telling Neo, you know, expand your mind, you know, and, and they, you know, this plug that thing into the back of his neck and boom, it's all downloaded. You know, I would love to just, I want to learn. I want to know what it's just fascinating to me how I can talk to someone and making money is like the easiest thing in the world. It's, you know what I mean? It's like they talk in they they're just on a whole nother level. You know, it's kind of like watching football, you know, watching Mahomes or whatever, Mahomes, you know, it's like, how the fuck can you throw underhanded, backhanded between your legs? Like uh, you know, it's just it's it's mesmerizing. And I find that true about just when I talk to people, and it's like they have a whole nother worldview, a whole nother thought, you know, it's like so alien to me. Uh, and that's been a journey and and just reading all the different books. I mean, one of the books that impacted me and we're going to go to Kyle is Sapiens. Um, and I can't think of the the author's name. It's a Yuval weird Harari. name. Thank you. Yeah, that's it. I just, I'm almost finished. I tried. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. Amazing. Here's the one. I don't know about you, Lance. The one thing that I learned from this book, uh, and I'm not even done reading it, but the one thing that like almost it's fucked my, like fucked up my mind is that there were eight to maybe 14 different species of humans. Like we have Pomeranians, we have poodles, we have German shepherds. We have, like different that, that we were like that, that now we're the only ones left, the homo sapiens, but there were other that 
It just blows my mind. Yeah. It literally blows my mind because that was never talked about <laughs> no. in my little Baptist church, no. right? Like that was never talked about. Um, anyway, so, but there's a lot of other books that have impacted me. What about you, Kyle? You, you like to read? Yeah, at times. Uh, yeah, normally it's when I'm having some sort of a crisis. That's when I try and find the book that best addresses it. Uh, and I was not prepared for this question, so I don't have authors on this, but two books sprang to mind for me. Uh, one I got immediately after my divorce because again, I was you know the victim of an affair. She had a workplace thing. So I found the book and it's called, why am I so angry? And again, I couldn't tell you the author cause I bought it a long time ago, but it's still sitting on my bookshelf and it basically just talks about how to deal with emotions and you know, the, the overwhelming emotion of anger, which is kind of a big one, you know, how to react, how not to react, because I think I went ahead and did about everything possibly wrong that you could. Right. Uh, right after my divorce, you know, aired the bullshit on Facebook. Yep. Did that. Oh, no. Yeah. Kyle. Sent, oh. sent the angry text messages. Yep. Did that. Sent the really scathing emails. Yep. Did that. <laughs> so, yeah. No, that, thank God Facebook wasn't nearly as big as it was back when I got divorced. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, it was a very helpful book. Uh, and again, it just, you know, one of the things it talks about, yeah. It's, it's okay to be angry. So many times people will tell you, well, you shouldn't be angry or, you know, being angry at someone. And I hated this one being angry at someone is like drinking poison and hoping they'll die. And oh, look, you're allowed to feel, Hey, you know what? We talking about guy versus women things, emotions. You are allowed to feel your emotions. Even if you're a guy, yeah. you can, you can get in your emotions. You can be caught up. And I'll tell you, it was a pastor one time who actually said one of the greatest things to me. And this is a pastor who I have nothing but respect for. And I'm talking about, you know, I am so angry. I, I'm just, I'm so pissed off. And I feel like I'm really, you know, making the big man mad upstairs. I'm making myself mad, but I can't do anything about this anger. And he's like, you know what? You can be mad. Just don't sin. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, I kind of like that. It's like I had this permission to actually feel something. Yeah. And a lot of times as guys, we try not to do that. We got to suppress our feelings and we can't show it. And we can't act out. And yeah. no, men don't cry. Men don't cry. Sure, that, that was not the case in my divorce. <clears throat> and so that was one. And then the other one of more the spiritual realm. And again, I, I don't have the author. It was called dinner with a perfect stranger. Anyone heard of this one? I haven't heard of that. It is a tiny little book. It, you read it in one sitting and then you just pass it on to the next person. I mean, it probably costs $2 in the store. But it's basically about this guy who goes to have dinner and it turns out that God's on the other side of the table and just the conversations that they have uh, basically about this guy, you know, kind of accepting himself and accepting uh, the love that, you know, people and God have for him. It, it just, I liked it because it's, it's a conversation. Yeah. It's not, you're being talked to it's they're talking to each other. Well, God, what about this? Well, well this, and it, it just, again, it's an easy breezy read. But it's just something that stuck out. It's like, you know, I, I like this book and I absolutely passed it on. And I hope that it's still moving around, circulating in the world somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah, again, it was it was light. It was fluff. But you know, it, if you read a book and it kind of leaves you feeling better. Yeah. then I'd say it's done its job. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, the, the thing that I um, realize about if I don't know something, I can't blame anyone. I can fucking Google it. Search yep. it, watch a YouTube on it, get the fucking book. So you guys will be proud of me and we'll end with this and come back with another topic here in a second. Uh, after our last week podcast and we talked about investing, I went and watched a bunch of YouTube videos on the top books and ordered all six of them. <laughs>
Oh, so listen, this final section here, I think is an important, uh, probably one of the most important things that we've ever talked about. And that is what you have learned from your divorce about yourself. Like what improvements that you have recognized needed to be made. Um, so I'll start with myself to give you guys, since I'm literally popping that question on you and didn't even tell you what it was before we came on. So I've been divorced a little over a year now, moved out in May of 2019. Um, so for me personally, man, I'll tell you 2019 and 2020, besides the 2020 being what it was for the entire world, you know, it was a very uh, transitional time for me. And, and I have never, I recognized in myself uh, through counseling and through just reflection I've never been alone until now. I was, you know, raised in a family. I left, went to the dorm room with a bunch of guys, and then I left there, went to an apartment with a roommate, and then I got married, roommate. So I've never ever lived alone. So when I got divorced, I'll never forget when I walked out of the house, and God, that that emotion, I can even feel it. When I walked out of that house with my suitcase and some of my shit, um I, I, I'm not given much to anxiety, thank goodness, but I was littered with anxiety, paranoia, like every emotion, not good is what I was feeling. And unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of neat things happened after, uh, when I left, I moved into an Airbnb, ended up moving in with a lady named Roxanne. She's a widow. Uh, she's a, she's about 10, 10, 11 years older than me. We, and we, ended up becoming really good friends. We're still friends today. I still go over to her house and do my laundry there. And, and we still hang out and have wine together. And she's just a wonderful, wonderful person, very critical in, in my journey. Uh, cause she had just lost her husband, you know, he died and then, uh, I'm getting divorced and, but I lived in her basement, uh, which was very nice, but it, you know, no windows It was very dark. And so I'll never forget the first night I went to bed, I woke up we went to bed crying, woke up crying, and here I was all alone. No, no spouse, no dogs, no cat, no son, you know, my, my son. I mean, it was, and no son, like actual son, the S-U-N and S-O-N, like all of it, you know, it was just this super dark. I was with myself and I was all alone. Um, so that's where the work began, you know, and, and I didn't get a TV for seven months. Um, you know, there's a lot of things I, I, I didn't drink for a while. I, like, I just kind of wanted to feel everything. I wanted to turn into the emotion rather than away from it, you know, rather than bury like what they say to get over someone else, you get under someone else or whatever that statement is, you know, <laughs> like, and I, I didn't want to go that route, you know, and I definitely didn't want to be, be the guy that got divorced one day and jumped into another relationship, you know, it was announcing my marriage on Facebook, you know, six months after I was divorced. I was like, I'm not going to fucking do that. I'm going to take time for me. And, and what I learned about myself was, um, I went to my counselor and I said, am I narcissistic? And he laughed and said to me, uh, if you were narcissistic, you wouldn't be asking me if you were. So, so that's a good sign. So that was good for me to hear. But I, I realized that I, I'm, I got a little ego in there. Like I'm a little self-centered, a little egotistical. Um, 
And so that was the one thing that I, I recognized within myself is uh, I was a little bit too vain and I was a little bit too concerned with exteriors. Um, and, and also for me, I was, uh, I dealt with, uh, what's that contentment? Um, you know, like you always want the bigger and the better and the faster and the younger and the, you know, the, 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 the louder and the, you know, that, I don't know if that's a societal thing. I'm not sure what, but I had to really uh, put that in check and remove anything from my life that would, would feed that, that part of me. Does that make sense? Um, so once I realized that, wow, fuck, I am uh, selfish. I'm a little self-centered. I'm a little egotistical, but I'm nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I really needed to work on that. And so I, I spent, I spent the good, you know, about, well, I'm still in counseling. I mean, I still go, um, but I would say probably nine to 10 months. It was pretty intense. Like I was going two to three times a month to really dig into my shit. And, and that's what came out outside of a lot of other things that were just lifelong things that I had to work through resentment. Can you share where that, you learned where that stemmed from some of those? Oh yeah. Let me clearly my upbringing. Yeah. Appearances were really important. Yeah, I mean, I I come from you know love, again love my family, but the in the short version is it wasn't until I was uh, seven years of age that my dad, who I call my dad now, actually my stepfather, officially, but when he came into the picture when I was seven, it was like we had this pretty much normal home after that. But before that, it was you know one husband. Then when I was two years old, it was another husband. Then when I was four, it was another. You know, it was so there was this inconsistency. But then when when it became we were a family, it was it wasn't told directly to me, but it was kind of implied. Nothing before your seven birthday happened or existed. Ish. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like I was not encouraged to have any relationship with my my birth father, that the new father in your life, he's your father and no one needs to know that he's not your father. And you know what I mean? Like it was very like we were going to have this perfect. Dad. Yes. I mean, it was very much like, this is, you know, this is your, this is it. And no one needs to know otherwise. And so really that, that facade, you know, of being this perfect little Christian family um, was not, that that didn't Is give that still your, he's still alive that's your mom and dad today yeah yeah and they're still yeah they're still alive and my biological father yeah 30 some yeah and wow. so my biological father passed away when i was 22 um so yeah a lot of my counseling was really working through the my critical years those first 7 years and it went and i can and i don't blame my parents i mean you know they were doing what they thought was right you know what i mean i i, I don't it's not about them it's about me um but i realized that that had a great, great impact in my life. Uh, some good, right? Some, some was good, uh, but also it, it skewed a lot of things for me. And I just inerrantly, again, this wasn't taught directly to me, but inerrantly I was taught um, that what it's the outside that matters, you know, it's how, how I'm, a, how I'm viewed by everybody else. You know what I mean? It's, it's not about what's really going on. It's about appearances. You know what I mean? Um, right. And it might be one, one reason why I'm so clean, you know, I'm like super clean, like just everything about everything in my life is very clean. 
Um, one, I think that's just, I think it's right to be clean. I, I think that's better personally, but making the jump, where's the, what's the connection there? Appearances. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I want people to walk in and go, Whoa, he, man. Wow. Exactly. And I, though, though, if no one ever came in my house ever, this is what it would look like. I wouldn't, it's not like I do it because I know people are coming over. Like literally, if I knew no one would ever be here, this is how I would keep it. Cause it makes me happy. But I also know there's that underlying thing of appearances, you know, I mean, I drive a Lexus, right? I mean, there's a lot of things. I love Lexus and there's not, but does that make sense? Like, I think you can do the right thing for the wrong reasons. And I also think you can do the right thing for the right reasons. Like, I think it's better to be clean than a fucking slob. But what was really motivating me, I think, was appearances. I, I think for me, when I, it's interesting you said earlier, you know, books help you kind of understand the world. And that's what therapy does, right? And it's, it's these aha moments when you, you, you're like, whoa, you're right. That is what makes me tick. Do you? With some things, I struggle with thinking that we can change them. Or is it, you know, can, does that ever go away? Or, yeah. you know, where you're like, that was my issue. So I went to therapy. I think people logically think, well, then when you went to therapy, you got it fixed, right? Probably not. But yeah. but just being aware of it makes a huge difference, right? Like, yeah. where do you land on that? Do you think that now that you have this new knowledge about yourself, has it changed you? Or if you just kind of smoothed off the rough edges of it and, but it's still there, but yeah. just the good parts are left. Yeah, no, that's a great question, Lance. Uh, for me, I don't believe people can change. I believe they grow. And so for me, it's more that I recognize it. It's like, I recognize things now. Like I'll say, I'll, I'll feel things. I'm like, ah, that's my ego. Like that's my ego and to check myself. Right. Uh -huh. So I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it is a matter of, like the body we have is the body we have, right? Like I couldn't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, never. Like even if I took steroids, I could never, ever look like that. Um, but I could look definitely muscular, you know what I mean? And so for me, I, I don't believe people really can change, but I do believe that we can grow and be better equipped to deal with whatever fuck-ups we have within us because of our childhood. Again, not blaming our parents or anything like that. Just we're a product of our environment. So whatever the fuck, you know, if you were raised in the hood and, and all that stuff, well, it makes sense that that person steals or whatever. It's like yeah. they were raised that way. So it's not that, I mean, but at some point they got to take accountability for themselves and go, okay, this is unhealthy. This isn't working for me. And so I need to change. And so that's what my divorce did to me is I was forced to take a hard, long look at me and go, I've got to fucking grow. Like I cannot stay this way. That's the endings part that I was talking about in transition. It sounds like you were willing to kind of stay in that zone and figure out like what's, what's gotten me into this problem. Yeah. What do I need to change in order to kind of move on to something? Yeah. Future. Yeah. What about you, Lance? What, what, what all did you learn from your divorce about yourself and what you needed to adjust to be the man you are today? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, this is me shaming my own self. Um, you know, I was married for 16 years to, uh, the mother of my kids and, and we had a very toxic marriage and, and I was very immature and certainly could we, we weren't good together, but man, I made it worse. Sure. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, 
being in that relationship for 16 years, we got divorced and then I came out of it. And a couple of years later, um, started dating another gal and her and I connected like we I'd never had a connection before. So it all felt right, you know, and, and, and neither her nor I, I think realized how disenchanted we really were with the situation. And, um, realized then once we got into the marriage that we thought was perfect that that we had a lot of things that we didn't know about ourselves and and then some things kind of you know shit hit the fan and and brought out some things that we didn't feel like we could deal with and i was only we were only married for maybe seven eight months or something the reason i say that is because i never thought i would get divorced once let alone twice yeah and but i that had to fuck with you yeah it, it was oh my gosh thinking oh my you know I'm just and it ends so quickly, and 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 I'm and I'm a pretty like I like to analyze everything. It's not like I'm just blindly like I don't know. I just this girl ran to Vegas and got (laughs) you know like I'm going to counselors and being like we probably are going to make a mistake. Like talk us out of this. I mean it was we went into this very critically thinking you know and and people were like you guys seem good. Of course they didn't. There wasn't things they could see. they could only go off what we were telling them, right? Yeah. And, well, you guys couldn't see it. And we couldn't see it. Everything was so perfect that we didn't even know necessarily how to deal with the rough spots. And then when the rough spots came, we, we both didn't deal with it uh, very well. But I say that to say I didn't know what I needed to learn coming out of my first marriage because I didn't know what was me and what was the marriage and and all of that, right? And I was in 16 years for a long time. and then, But then after my second marriage... I could tell, but there was things that came out that I was like, okay, this is on me. Like the same things that she's saying and the same things that the my first wife, right? And I'm like, this is the only common denominator here is me. And and I learned that a lot of things, you know, I cared more about being right than than just keeping my mouth shut at times. I didn't know how to um, manage the internal emotions of anxiety. And, you know, when, when things got a little rough, I, I you know, grew uncontrollably inside and that manifested itself through anger and some of those types of things. And so I really started to kind of look back to understand where my own emotional securities were, where they were stemming from and what I needed to do. Was it just a you know voice in my head that was playing tricks on me or, um, and then two, I think just growing and being a little older, knowing that some things just work themselves out. It's, I don't need to say something, you know, yeah. it's better not to have opinion on at times, you know, and yeah. so I've just gotten better. But I think, you know, now that I'm married again, um, it's been successful because I knew what my problems were. I've known where I just need to back off or just let things kind of go the way they are. And I don't get so worked up about them because I know that, you know, in the end, she's not going to leave or she's there to work it out with me. And, and I had a lot of insecurities around, you know, my mom thinking that she was helping me um was building a lot of insecurities in me and you know she would say you know are you sure that so-and-so you know loves you like you love them and she she thinks she's just kind of like hey take a look at this right i don't want my boy to get hurt i'm thinking the whole time i don't have what it takes to keep a relationship together mom's on to something that i'm not and so i'm anything that happened i think she's just gonna pack her bags and walk on the door yeah so i've just learned that you know that's not going to happen and some of those things um were voices that i was hearing in my head and i think you know, working through meditation, working through mindfulness, understanding how the, you know, the, the mind can talk to you and say things that aren't the stories it tells you that aren't necessarily true. Those are all things that I 
you know, paths that I, I started to walk down and understand and learn. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me is I got old enough at this time that I'm able to just bring up my insecurities with Michelle and tell her immediately. Like that makes I, me feel I'm, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not like, you know, if it's sexually and, and, and this is me being really vulnerable, you know, and, and I'm not able to, you know, become erect or something, you know, just saying like, I'm feeling really emasculated right now. And I never would have said that, you know, because I would have been like, I'm this man, I'm you know, like, that's my manhood. I'm not going to, yeah. but being able to talk about something so vulnerable and knowing that she will respond coming towards me yeah, is just made our relationship super tight. And that's made all the difference in the world because I don't feel like I you feel safe. I feel safe. I feel safe. And so, you know, all that other stuff that I talked about, me learning a little bit and all that, and then finding her and allowing that safeness and allowing me just, because I'm a, I'm a talker, I want to talk things out. And um, and knowing that I can talk to her about things and that, and she's real good at taking all my word salad <laughs> and making it into something <laughs> and bringing it back and saying, like, this is what you're saying. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what, I, you know, it just, it works well. And so it's, it's. When I look back on it, I don't know that it wasn't like I had this real, you know, aha moment. It's just a lot of things pieced together and a little bit of growth and knowledge and time all combined into a nice recipe and then meeting the right person in the end. It just it, it all worked out nicely because of the timing. I mean, we always say, you know, when you get married, it's like, oh, I wish we would have met when we were younger. Well, no, we don't. No, you don't. Because <laughs> we weren't the same people like right. we were talking about earlier, you know, then. And, and I would have messed that marriage up then, too. And so works because of the work that I've done, the work that she's done and the timing of it. Yeah. What about you, Kyle? What, what's been your, yeah. what have you learned post-divorce? Cause you're in a relationship now, right? Yes. Yeah, I am. I am. What's now. his name? <laughs> Timmy. His name is Timmy. He's kind you, of, he's kind of a were, clean you freak. You were supposed to tell. Kind of a clean freak. <laughs> that was good. Uh, yeah, well, since I think I've been divorced longer than everyone else, uh, it, uh, it took a long time before the lessons actually started to surface. Um, the, what I, what I eventually circled around to was again, my, my father wasn't really around to show me what a, a healthy marriage looked like. Uh, he bolted, you know, when I was young and didn't come back until I was grown. And so really all I had was what you saw on TV. Like, and that's what I tried to make my marriage into was this you know, this made for TV type marriage. And I spent all the while thinking everything was great. Uh, you know, my, to my ex-wife and I's credit, we never fought, never, never fought, never argued, never screamed. There was never any screaming matches. And so I always thought everything was great. And, and where I landed at post-divorce was I took it all for granted. I took everything for granted. You know, I, uh, we were high school sweethearts and then we got married and we had kids, we had the house and we had the cars and, you know, everything that, you know, almost, almost to the point of a white picket fence that you would see on a, I love Lucy or whatever your you know sitcom is. And so I thought, you know, Hey, yeah, I did all this and here's where we are. We have our two kids and all this stuff. And so I don't really have to try anymore. So this blindsided you. Oh yeah. Yeah. To find out that she was doinking a coworker. I never saw it coming. Like I, yeah, uh, I, I kind of wish I had, yeah. and you know, hindsight being what it is, I can see it now. But I certainly didn't see it when I was in it because you give them benefit of the doubt because that is, that's my wife and we've known each other since high school and we have all this history and you sit there and you think that the, your history together is going to be enough yeah. and it's not. And, uh, 
so yeah, I mean, I, I stopped doing the things that you're supposed to do or that you probably should do to keep the relationship fun and fresh. And I just kind of settled into, I go to work, I come home, we take care of the kids. We go to bed, we get up tomorrow. We do the same thing over again. You thought what was, what was happening was good enough. It was fine. It was good enough for me. Like I was happy. I, I didn't have a problem. Again, we never fought. I never knew that she was unhappy. And so ultimately, and look, like every guy, I was selfish in my marriage. Of course, you know, I, I felt like I should have the motorcycle. And so I make sure we got the motorcycle. Was it the best move for the finances? No, probably not. You know, maybe get the car paid off first, then talk about it. And I kind of pressured into that because I wanted it and I felt like I had helped build this life. And so I should get what I wanted. So there is definitely some selfishness, but what I took the most out of it after the fact was I took it so much for granted. Yeah. And that's, that's the mistake I will never make. Like, the the woman who puts up with me now, God save her. I don't know how she does it, but I will never take for granted that she chooses to uh, to be in my life and you know for me to be in hers. And so, yeah, yeah I'm always grateful and thankful, and That's awesome. Probably kiss her ass way too much, but yeah. Ooh, I like kissing ass. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could start writing books only on if it. it's clean. Only if it's, <laughs> it has you to got be, fresh out of the shower. If I'm going to be doing that, it has to be a. <laughs> A clean, well manscaped ass. That's right. <laughs> to get Timmy up in there. Yeah. Clean, well scaped, manscaped ass, and Timmy's there. Yeah. He's uh, about that life. So I love it. Yeah. So no, that's that's kind of where I land. You know, you that's learn you like learn it. little lessons along the way and things that you see well after the fact. But yeah, those are the big ones. I've I've said it over on my podcast. I'll say it on yours and yeah, that's that's really where I landed. Was just taking it for granted. Took it all for granted. Her, my situation, where I was in life. Thought I'd built this entire empire myself, and then it just came crumbling down. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. What about you, Steve? What what have you learned? What are you learning about about Steve besides some of the things you've already mentioned? But um, I learned a lot. I have to get this fast. Um, my divorce took. Next day, I come home and you know, my wife's kind of quiet. And my wife was like, What's wrong? I was like, Hey, you kind of blew your shit the other night. I said, I don't understand what the fuck that was about. And she just goes, No, I'm done. I want out. And I was like, Wait, what? Wow. You want to like go out for the night? I don't understand what the fuck's going on here. And yeah. And then, like, I was like, Well, what the hell? She's like, Oh, I'm out of love with you. And I was like, Well, what's all this about? She's like, It's not really any of your business. And I was like, Mm. I think it might be. Big to yeah. differ. Big to differ. And honestly, I mean, I finally got like an email from her that took my counselor. My counselor's like, dude, you're full of shit. You know? <laughs> and I brought him, and, and the counselor's reading the email, and I'm talking, and he gets his phone out. I'm like horribly offended. And he goes, holy fuck, dude, I found the list that this email's written off of on the internet. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. So, you know, the first thing I had to learn was acceptance because I'm getting to understand why shit happens yeah yeah you know, i mean i read a lot of books very fucking technical guy like cause and effect and all that so i had to learn that you know sometimes why don't fucking matter you where you're at you just gotta learn how to accept it you know and you know and then the other thing i had to learn is you know maybe it wasn't all about me because that's the first place i always want to turn because you know i can't fix other people i can fix you know i can try to fix me or i can you know but if you could have been better, she would have enjoyed being in the relationship more. You're saying, yeah, but you yeah. realize that it, 
she needed to work on her. It wasn't about you. Yeah, maybe she did. Maybe she didn't. Maybe it was just going to fucking blow the fuck up. But, you know, without that feedback, I couldn't say, yeah, this, 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 and this. But, you know, I also learned to pick up on other stuff like communication. Definitely need to work on communication, you know. And then, you know, I, I, I did some time with Venus, 19 when I was young. I was, you know, pre-marriage. You know, I was really angry, really angry all the time. And I finally learned how to not be angry. But then, after my divorce, I did some further work and found, realized anger is a secondary emotion. And I could look at what made me angry and focus on that without getting wrapped up in it emotionally. And, you know, that's like a fucking superpower there, you know. But I also had to learn how to ask for help. You know, that's that's not something I'm very comfortable with. You know, like early on in the divorce, uh, oh God, she said she wanted out, and then she said that she was going to be living there with us with her for a few months before she moved out. And uh, mm. you know, I, I wanted to I wanted to flesh out this why we're getting divorced <laughs> yeah. thing. I was rather insistent about it, and I was ready to fight for it because I was going to fight for what was fucking right. And I, I had to either go fucking insane or just set the shit down and say. I'm scared and I don't know what to do. Yeah. Which isn't something I usually say. I don't get scared and I don't not know what to do. You know? But yeah. I did. I mean, uh, God, all these people to reach back and it's just fucking incredible. I mean, yeah. That's awesome. You know, and I learned and I learned also, like us guys, we need to be there for each other. And I did a lot of work with divorce groups because these guys reach out to me at no fucking reason to. But a lot of, a lot of the work I do is with uh, religious sponsors. Lot of divorce groups or through churches and stuff, <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm happy to do it, but it's sad I have to because you know, I'll get a call and some guy will be in a you know, some guy will be in a tight spot and they call me because they want someone who's not someone he sees at church every week, you know, right. showing up when he's had his fucking worse, you know. And yeah, it wasn't until actually I was hanging out with Timmy a couple weeks ago and I got a call and I went and got the guy and I thought about how fucking sad is that, yeah. You know, I mean, after, after what I went through, you know, I'd rather somebody I know see me there. Right. You know, but, you know, I tell people, yeah, and I joke about it. I say, you know, I do the devil's work on commission for the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I just, love that. Just, just, you know, you know just, I remember being there. Though, you know? I'd be like, yeah. I don't want anybody to see my guilt and my shame. I don't want my best friends to know that I'm fucking suffering. You know, so, I mean, I really learned to get the fuck over that, you know. Yeah. That's a big Guys feel like we can't tell our best friend. I don't, you know, I don't know what to do if I'm scared. Yeah. You know? But yeah, that's a, whew, that's yeah. vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, it's fucking vulnerable, but not doing it'll fucking kill you. Yeah. I think that's one of the lessons that I learned was that vulnerability creates this emotional bond between you. So mm-hmm. when you, when you're vulnerable with your spouse or whoever, it it's going to bind you to them. So yeah. we don't do ourselves any favors by, you know, being standoffish or, I'm just going to bottle this up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, you know, vulnerability is kind of an abused term, though, man. I, I know I've talked to Timmy about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but I think it's important for us to realize it's an important term, though. You know, yeah. You know, if, if we're not going to acknowledge our feelings to the people we're closest with, who are we going to acknowledge our feelings and go to college with someone? We've got no fucking help. Yeah. You know, but then the other thing that I mean, I learned some good shit, too. I learned, I guess that's a good shit, though. That's good, yeah. You know, I also learned, like, find my happiness, be happy. I was married, I was content, all right? I, I went to work, I came home, I did a lot of the housework, and, you know, we, we were, you know, sometimes I felt like we were shifts passing at night, but I was like, you know what, I'll just do this every day, and then I'll die, you know? But, like, now, you know, I, 
And I still remember Glance going to ask what the pivot point was because that seems to be his thing. I still remember. <laughs> I still remember the moment I realized it was going to be okay like that. Um, you know, I, I I I was picking my kids up after school every day, bringing them back to the office because you know daycare was real expensive. We were getting a divorce, and you know I'm a boss guy, so I could abuse the privileges. And uh, I was feeling real down that day. I think that like I you know I, I think I got real in debt. I didn't see the DX at that point. You know, everyone was asking a lot of fucking questions I didn't want to fucking answer, you know, and, you know, I was feeling real fucking down. I showed up at, uh, you know, I showed up at the fucking school and the kids come out and my son, he was about seven at the time, he comes walking out with his friends and he sees me, he comes running over and just grabs my hand right there in front of all of his friends. And that's when I realized, like, you know, this ain't the end. No. That's when I realized there's like joy everywhere and if I focus on that and work on the bad shit, bad shit will go away. Whereas if I focus on the fucking bad shit and work on finding joy, the bad shit's always going to fucking be there. Yeah. Whatever I'm focused on all of a sudden becomes a categorical imperative in my life. Yeah. 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 And I might swing too far with that because I think people, I think people are like, you know, you're rooting so dearly for Tim to just be single. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'll tell you what, Steve, I can resonate with that. I, and, you know, maybe, I mean, cause I really did. I had a good 25 year marriage. I really did. She's a wonderful person. Um, but like you, I really enjoy being single and not just, oh, you're like hooking up with everybody yet. No, no, I'm not saying that. I mean, that, I mean, I had way more sex when I was married, but I, I really <laughs> did, but I enjoy just figuring me out. Like, I think that singleness for me hasn't been about all my married friends are like, Oh man, tell me a story, Timmy. I got, you got a story. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) and that's like, I don't, I don't have, I don't have, you know, I thought, man, dude, when I'm, when I'm single, like I'm going to be living this wild life. I'm going to be driving fast cars, driving hot girls, you know, and just like playing with awesome boobies. And like, I mean, it was just going to be this, wow. And the reality, and that's what a lot of my married friends are like, like literally, I can't tell you how many of my married friends will be like, so what, tell me a story from this week. Like what, you know, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I, I, I left dinner with a couple the other week and they're like, so what did you do it at night? And I was like, I'm going to go steam clean my love seat because it's like, <laughs> blacks have four kids. And they're like, are they going to be girls? <laughs> like, what? No. Well, I don't know. Maybe, but yeah. <laughs> like my kids will like like text me go hey is it okay if we come over i'm like yeah guys i'm sitting just fucking reading a book right. you know what well, i mean like I, I, <laughs> no it's, but i did have to tell them though i mean i did you know i was like hey guys just just fyi don't ever just stop by always text me first but just so you know like most likely we're totally cool but just yeah. in case you know yeah. whatever um thankfully that they they're adults and they're they're cool with that and they always text me to find out what i'm doing but it might yeah it's my married friends that think that they're always wanting the juicy stories you know like i'm like oh yeah i got five strippers here and we're all uh it's like no nah, it's, it's fairly lame really i mean <laughs> yeah. it's like i don't i'm not i'm not doing that so i think for me to be honest like one thing that i learned is I took a lot of things for granted. And I also, that contentment thing that I mentioned, you know, and I taught this shit, 
but it's like the grass is greener over there, you know, and for somehow you, some way we do and we can convince ourselves that I'm going to be fucking swinging from the chandeliers with mirrors on the ceiling, man. Right. Well, like you, they say, you there's get over there and you're like, uh, yeah, the grass is greener on the other side. Cause there's more fertilizer on the lawn. There's more <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> That's the only reason the grass is greener over there. Whether you have an affair on your spouse or you think, I want to live the single life because see, I don't have a lot of friends who are like, Oh man, tell me all your single stories. No, I can see it's turning in their head. Well, what if I was single? Yeah. I wonder if I could live that crazy ass life that I think he's living, which I clearly wasn't yeah. And that. And that's, that's where that greener grass shit comes from. And man, I, I can't tell people enough. Stay married. Yeah. Trust me. It is not yeah, work that shit out. Yeah, it is if not swinging can. naked from the chandeliers. Right. It's not having five chicks in your bed on one night. It's more going. That only happens a couple times. A couple times. <laughs> but the, <laughs> the other 363 days of the year, you're going to bed alone and lonely. Yeah. And you don't want that. Don't blow up a good marriage, especially if it's a good marriage or even if it's bad, if it's a marriage that can be saved. Yeah. Don't blow that shit up because you think we're over here living some kind of, you know, semi-charmed life where we're just banging everyone and everything is great. I just... I, I would highly recommend y'all work your shit out because trust me, the single life is not what you think it is. Yeah. Especially someone who's been married 20 years, yeah. 15 years, 25 years, wherever you might be. Yeah. I realized when I was starting to put lipstick on my finger, on my hand and put a little mascara on my hand and like teasing myself. Like, hey, baby, hey, baby. you want some of this? It's just you and me, baby. <laughs> No, I mean, I think that, you know, even for guys, you know, when we talk about this whole podcast is about guys, you know, when I think about what do guys look for and what do guys want, which, you know, I don't know what other guys want, but I know what I want. And a, a lot of what I want, we guys are, are accused of and, and rightly so all you want is sex, you know, it's just, ah, it's like, ah, we want to be loved too. I mean, oh. there's like, there's no diff, there's no doubt about it. I've had all kinds of sex now that I've been single. I've had all kinds of sex and there is no doubt about it. The best kind of sex is when it's love. Like when you really love or are really connected, like you really, you really care about them. And it's not just a fuck. You were just right. fucking like, yeah. it's like, no, I really like you. I, and I like you so much that I want to be skin on skin with you. Uh, not just, er, 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 get naked, you know, uh, I mean, that kind of stuff can be fun on occasion, all, you know, whatever, but even guys, as much as we, a lot of our sexual prowess or our sexual, you know, girls are always telling me, guys just want to have sex on the first date. I'm like, yeah, it's, they, they, they're lonely. You know, I mean, I, I can, I can sympathize because I know it's like, they're just hungry and lonely and they're wanting to be touched and they're wanting to be loved. They're wanting someone to show them attention. You know what I mean? And, and so it, again, I don't know all guys, but I know for me, um, a lot of my sexual proudness, it's, it's more about connection than it is actually just, I, I just want to use you. No, I don't want to use anybody. You know, I, I, I want to be connected with someone, um, you know, who doesn't love an orgasm, but dear Lord, an orgasm with your right hand is nothing compared to an orgasm in a doesn't cost you $60 on dinner and drinks either. <laughs> you yourself and you, yeah. <laughs> if me. you're on a budget, just grease up yeah, the hand. 
You guys just go to fancier places than I do. <laughs> My poor ass can do this on the cheap. <laughs> So I ask the waitress every time I sit down, what's your beer specials tonight? Oh, $2 PBR. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> so what, what were you looking for? So the, the, the Lance that now married Michelle, what at the time, right before you met her, what were you looking for specifically? And, I, and I'm not just saying just for Lance, but like in a sense of what was you, your, here's my perfect woman. This is what I'm looking for. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, after I think about it more, driving home, I'll probably have other thoughts. But, <laughs> but you know, the, the physical piece was important to me. Sure. Um, and then the thing for me, though, was I had, because of my other failed marriages, I knew myself well enough that I knew what was going to work well with me. Meaning that, you know, I'm a, I'm a talker. I like to talk things out. We get to fight like... I don't like the, you know, I need, that was one of the problems with my second marriage is when we did come into problems, she needed, she was a processor. So she needed to kind of back out of the situation and process. And I'm, I'm wanting to process right then. And that's a problem, you know? Yeah. And so here I am, you know, bird dogging the thing and, and she's needing time to kind of just think on it. And so, you know, knowing those little things about yourself, when you get into a new relationship, you know, it's, it's never as clean as, you know, Michelle didn't come out and say, well, I'm just an outward processor. And I'm like, well, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. I mean, you just, Perfect. right. It's for like, it just kind of naturally happens, but we got into some, you know, little tips of here and there. And, and, you know, I remember one time we were arguing about, you know, where we were going to park at the KU game or something. I didn't remember what it was, but, but I just remember going, we were both just mad as hornets and went back to her house. And I was like, this is one of those moments where we was early on. And I was like, this might be it. Out and I'm never, and I'm, I'm prideful enough that I don't need to call you. And, but we didn't. We sat there, and I was like, you know, I probably said something, learned off of my past experiences, and, like hashed it out. Yeah, and we started talking out. She talked it out with me. You know, you just start to learn that it's like I need somebody who can talk to me and work things out. I need someone who's not quiet. I need someone that can, you know, even down to some of the smaller nuances that can take a lot of my words. And, I can put out a thousand words and she can wrap it up into, you know, a small little bundle and make it like, this is what you're saying. And I'm like, yeah, spot on, you know, and we just work and dance well together in that way. And I didn't know that I necessarily, I didn't have this checklist, but I certainly, when I started to, that's why I said the physical was important because I think that's what probably drew oh, me in. Absolutely. And then when I realized we really have this cool connection because I, we just work really, really well together. And yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like I was, you know, last the reason I bring this up because last night we had this little tip about something. I can't remember what it was and we never raised our voices. And she was getting mad at me. And I was probably cause we'd been at home together for 14 days on vacation. You know, it's like <laughs> ready to have, go back to doing something else. Yeah. And neither one of us brought it up after that. And I think we were both kind of like, some things you just don't need to talk about. Yeah. And I, I'm okay with that. You know, I like that about it. I mean, I was, we're in the past. I'd have been like, so you know, I kind of got into it, you know, we got to talk it out. You know, Are we okay? Like, yeah, we okay. It's things, you know, and it just, and it's like, you just kind of figure out that that's the kind of person you need. And it takes a few relationships for you to be in that are going to be failures for you to kind of figure that out. Yeah. But, you know, if I could give my kids anything coming out of being young, it'd be, man, if you can figure out who you are and how you're wired, you are set up big time in relationships because you just, a lot of times we, I got into my other ones based on wrong reasons that I didn't know myself well enough and then it backfired. Yeah. You know, that that's a, man, 
we could do a whole podcast just on this one thought, but just thinking about marriage, how, you know, we grow and we develop. And, and, and so if, if, when people talk about compatibility, which is the best thing for a long forever marriage is compatibility. But you know, when you're young and dumb and full of cum, as I say, right. you know, you don't, you don't, you think you're compatible because yeah. we like the same things we did, right. it, but, but maybe you're not compatible, yeah, compatible, point. emotional. You're not compatible in how we argue, how you process, you know, it's like, it's like when you have kids and you, you know, you sit down with them and you have the heart to heart with them and you say, listen, I need you to take the trash out. Da, 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 da. You know, and, and then they do it for a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden they, they're not, they're back to not doing it. And that sometimes that can happen in a marriage, you know, where maybe one person really does know who they are and where the other person doesn't know who they are. <laughs> and, and I think that might've been a little bit of my situation where, you know, my ex was a little bit, you know, more centered in who she was. And, and I didn't recognize really who she was and I really wasn't sure who I was. Yeah. And so over the 25 years, all of a sudden it, we're just different, you know, um, and, and being able, and, and, you know, they always say, and I used to teach this, I have such a different perspective on it now, but you know, you just accept someone for who they are. And, and though on one hand, I like that and agree with that, but sometimes that's not compatible when one person, this person knows who they are. You, when you get married to them, you don't know who you are. And as you become to really know who you are, it, you become no longer compatible, not because you're better than them. You're more mature. No, they were already whole and they were already who they were. And you were not who you were supposed to be yet or who you were. Does that make sense? Yeah, Does that make I, sense at all? It's fascinating that people do stay together as long as they do because of the fact that we get to get, we get married young. And we all know that at 25, you are an adult and you're functioning. And, but by the time you you're don't. 40 and you've been married for 15, you're a completely different person. And the fact that two people kind of grow together enough that they're able to stay connected and married for 20 is a miracle in my mind in yeah. a lot of ways. Because we're all sitting around here thinking about how we're all been different than when we were younger. Yeah. And, and just to your point, it's like you end up at 20 years into a marriage and you're kind of like, we're not the same people. That if we were, if we knew who we were going to be now, we wouldn't have gotten married 20 years ago. Right. But you just don't know who you're going to be 20 years right. from now. And that, that's the fascinating part for me is back to your point, Kyle, earlier is just, is not being passive about it, but being intentional about the growth together yeah. and growing together and staying connected. It's, it's just a beautiful thing. And, yes. And, and, you know, to, to, you know, your story with your partner uh, having an affair, you know, realizing your sympathy and I don't know if you have sympathy for her, but in my mind, I would have sympathy towards her because I was the one that betrayed my marriage. And so, you know, it was because I was lost, you know, and that's not an excuse. What I did was fucked up and wrong. I, I get that. I've, I've dealt with all that. So there's no justification for it, but it was, it, I was lost. You know, I, I didn't know who I was and I thought that that would make me happy or that would, you know, so it, it wasn't a reflection on her at all. It was a reflection on me. Right. Um, and so being able to, to come to that understanding and go, ah, and this doesn't relinquish any ownership that she would need to take for her own, her own life. Um, but for me personally, uh, to, to go, this wasn't about her, this was about me and, and my being not in a, you know, that I needed to grow and I need to become a better version of myself. And when I did, 
it was like, oh, and of course the betrayal was the deal breaker, but, but also just on, on another front going, ah, man, yeah. What, what Timmy needs or what Lance needs or Lance needs or what Kyle needs or what Steve needs, um, who you started out with 25 years ago, though they might be a wonderful, awesome, awesome person. But what I need now is something that might be different than that. So, you know, the whole thing of growing together, and I thought we were doing a, we were doing a really good job of growing together until I fucked up, but it was like, I, I think they're even now being alone now, be, you know, like literally being alone. What does Timmy like? What, what am I looking for in a girl, you know, in, in a woman? Like, what am I looking for in a partnership? And, and coming to understand that, that that's changed. When I first got married, I wanted to, I wanted the typical woman stays at home barefoot and pregnant and she's going to care for the home and I'll take care of the, you know what I mean? Like that was very traditional. And now I'm like, fuck that shit. I want to meet someone that's got her own career, making good money. Not that she needs to make more or less. I don't give a fuck. I I want someone that I want them to have their own life. Yes. And I want them sexual. I'm super sexual. I, I, uh, I don't mind being an aggressor, but I don't want to always be the aggressor. Speaking of that topic, um, cause you mentioned sexual compatibility or you said whatever. Um, how, how do you balance that out where, you know, men typically are the ones, the aggressor, like usually I'm the one that's usually wanting the sex. Uh, and that seems pretty stereotypical for guys. For the most part, there's always a, a woman out there. It's like, I want sex as much as men. Nah, I don't think you do, but you think you do. And I can tell you case in point why that's probably not true. Like I heard a comedian say this one time when a woman's like, I want sex just as much as a man. He goes, all right. In front of the whole crowd, he goes, all right. He goes, guys, how many of you would have sex with her right now? <laughs> and literally all the guy's hands went up. And she said, how many would you have sex Yes. With her? And he, she was like, well, you know, I did. And he's like, exactly. Sit your ass down. You don't want sex like men. So, and, and I find that to be true. And I was talking to Kyle about that. Like, and this is a, another comedian said this, that women have sex when they want men have sex when women say they'll give it to them, you know, like, and that's a funny thing, you know, but anyway, back to the men being the aggressor, how did you find the sexual compatibility piece to really work where it's, there's most married men that I have ever talked to. And this wasn't my story actually, but they're frustrated sexually. You know, it's, it's usually it's the opposite. Like my marriage, I was having more sex as a married guy than I am as a single guy. But a lot of times as married guys, you know, I'd talk to single guys and it was like, man, I was this girl and then Ashley came in and then Samantha and then it was Michelle. And then I had like three or four of them there one night, man, we had a foursome. Oh my God, it was crazy. You know, you're like, oh, wow, that's what I want. And then you get out there and you're like, oh. That shit doesn't happen. Like, right. Damn it. Hey, I was lying Mast- his ass up. Masturbating to porn again. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Thank God Pornhub is free. So how did, I mean, uh, maybe that's, I don't know if that's too personal. I mean, but like, how did you 
determined that there was going to be some sexual compatibility. And it wasn't like the new honeymoon phase of we're fucking all the time. Like we can't even take a trip in the car without pulling over and fucking each other. And then, you know, when you get married, it's like, yeah, yeah, let's wait till we get to the hotel. I'm too tired. Let's wait till tomorrow. Well, um, you know, it'd be interesting if Michelle was here. It would be. (laughs) (laughs) Because I can certainly talk a big game. And then she's like, that ain't, that ain't how it happens. Uh, probably typical like a lot of I mean, part of it is i found being married at, at 50 is that you try to take again it's the backwards compatibility you try to think about we're newlyweds we ought to be having sex every night but i'm but i'm not considering the fact that physiologically i'm different than i was when i was 20 yeah. or 25 and that's and and you know me being completely honest as a 50 year old man like Sometimes I'm like that going to sleep sounds really good. Yeah. Having sex sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> I'm selfish too. There's other times, you know, when I'm feeling it and it's like, I feel bad because I'm like, you know, I'm she's probably tired and wants to. She's probably more the instigator now in a lot wow. of ways. Wow. Like, Michelle, find you gotta come on my podcast. <laughs> we gotta talk. <laughs> but uh again, it comes back to why her and I are compatible. That was not an off-limits conversation for her and I to have. That's good. Where in the, you know, if earlier in my life it would have been because I would have been thinking, is there something wrong with me? And and again, I'm so open with where I'm at in life that I'm willing to try to figure it out. Is it, you know, I went to, I talked to my doctor. Is is this normal for a 50-year-old guy? You know, should I be wanting to do it every hour, every day? Or, you know, and I've learned and, and we talked, we went to, uh, because we were a blended family, we started going to a therapist early just to kind of say, make sure that we could air some things and figure things out. And, and uh, one of the things that Michelle brought up was, Hey, I'd like there to be a little bit more intimacy sometimes than there is. And, and so I asked him about it. I said, we're, you know, again, me curious, just wanting to know, like, am I, am I broken? Is this normal? Because you're just trying to kind of locate yourself in what's normal. Right. And he said, guys that are 30 are all over the board, guys that are 50 are all you have some guy that's 50 and maybe wants it all the time. Some guys are 50. They're okay with it every few weeks. Yeah. There is no normal out there. Right. In that sense. Right. And, and I think that that was something that is hard for me to kind of figure out what is normal because you have to just figure out what's good for you and Michelle in this case. Right. Right. What about you, Steve? I mean, you're single, but you traveled a lot. You were gone a lot when you were married. So you were already masturbating a lot. <laughs> Just for sheer, you had to. <laughs> of course, you were thinking about your wife, of course, you know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I look at it different than most guys. I, I, I've never been a so wild oats kind of guy. I've never rushed in pussy. Um, you know, I, I, I Girls are going to love you. Yeah. You know what? It's funny you say that, <laughs> but that is probably the number one problem I have run into dating. Fascinating. Is, is what? That you're not wanting to fuck as much? Yeah, oh. I'm, not, I'm not wanting to jump in there yeah. and fuck. I'm not wanting to get in there and make out with yeah. two or three dates. Oh, and, you know, they're like, every, every fucking woman says they want that. And then they're like, what? So then when they, and I'm like, um, I'll give you a hug and a handshake. You know, I mean, that, that's. You see, the thing with me is, you know, I'm going to sound horribly fucking sappy right now, but <laughs> to me, like a lot of the fun of intimacy, especially with someone new, it's being comfortable. 
like exploring it and figuring it out and you know learning what they like and you're both on the same team and you guys are gonna fuck up and it's gonna be funny you're gonna joke about it for years all that shit and yeah I, I fucking dig that yeah you know i mean just going out and like getting my rocks off that just doesn't it's never fucking interesting you know and you know i mean a lot of people are like is that like the roman catholic in you and i was like no, no, because I know lots of Roman Catholics that are not like that. You know, I, don't, <laughs> I think it's just the way I was wired. You know, I mean, sure. I grew up with five sisters. We played a lot of rom coms played in my fucking house. I, I don't fucking know. But, yeah. You know, I mean, you, you said earlier today, you said that you you have you have sometimes the difficulty of girls thinking that you just want to be single and you're not. And you're like, no, 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 wait, I'm. And and then you just said this exactly. that that you know that you're slow right kind of in the process yeah, yeah, which is nothing think, wrong with it have you found within yourself that this is an area where you've had to grow is that even though you're wired like this and you you you, you can take it at a little slower pace you've had to learn how to somehow let the woman signal to her that i am interested in you but in different ways you kind of see what i'm asking a yeah, little bit? yeah 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 you know i mean the first thing i did is you know i use my big boy words to say because it's not something like meaning I, I like you. Yeah. Yeah, I like you, but I'm just not overly physical. Like we don't have to sleep together tonight. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Honestly, if I like them and it works out, then hopefully you're going to figure it out sooner or later. You know? Yeah. Right. But you know, because the thing is, that's a hill I die on. You know, I mean, you know, we all got to pick like things in our life that you know we're not going to fucking change for convenience. We're not going to change for you know ulterior goals. You know, and me, that approach to intimacy is it's, it's a hell I die die on because you know. Yeah. Just the way that I am, like spiritually, one of the first things I did is do no wrong, and that just always seemed like an area where you can do massive amounts right. wrong. Yeah, I'm wrong about that. And you know, I mean, I, and I don't judge other people. Oh like, sure. People go out and they want to fuck on the first date before they get into drinks. I don't give a fuck. You know? <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah. You I, do you. And if I meet someone that's like that, you know, I, I don't care. I mean, I'm not going to do it, but you know, I, I don't care. You know, and I'm not even going to say we all deserve pass. You know. Right. But yeah, I mean. With me, I just always figured, like, if I have a really good connection with someone, we're both willing to be in a spot where we're comfortable enough to talk about it and comfortable enough to explore stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, and maybe I'm oversimplifying shit, but I mean, pussy likes uh, peg A and slot B. It's not that fucking complicated. Two people are dedicated to it should be able to figure the fuck out, you know? And yeah. to me, it's to the point where I care enough to figure out if, you know, that it's worth it to me. Yeah. Before that, is that something you knew about yourself all along, or is that something you just learned about yourself post divorce? No, I've been like that my whole life. Oh, so you were like that even as a teenager? Yeah, like you weren't the guy that was fucking everybody? No, no. Oh, see, that's that's cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's that was probably the, for me when I was a teenager, and I'm still like that. I mean, I'm 51, and it's I'm raging. But the the wild thing is, I was kind of like always like that when I hit puberty, and I lost my virginity on February uh, 14th, 1987. And I could take you to the spot where it happened. Um, Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> and, but I remember from that moment on, I was like, I love this. I really liked it. And I wanted to do it again and again and again. But I think also what's wild is I have, and I don't know if it's just age or maturity, but now I you know, even though I'm different than you, Steve, um, you're kind of my hero, but for me, 
I don't want anything to do with me. I'm going to ask Kyle too about his life. So for, for me now, I much rather have a, a connection with someone, you know, and what, what foreplay for me, there, there, there has been instances that where we've talked on the phone for hours and hours and hours over weeks in time. Well, then when we get to the first meeting, I mean, it's like, we've already been talking for weeks and like for hours, like falling asleep on the phone together. Well, by the time we get to each other, I'm like, right. I want to f- get right. naked, man. I mean, we've shared so much intimacy. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I'm at a bar and I meet someone. I mean, yeah, that is, those days might be a little bit gone. Yeah. Like the, the days of like, you meet someone at the bar and you want to go back to my place. Like, yeah. ah, like I'd like to talk a little bit more, you know, to see if I really, really want to do that. Um, you know what I mean? So I, I can share a, a little bit of a balance. Um, but I think that's great. What about you? Where, where is sexuality mm. in the sense of like chemistry sexually? Yeah. Uh, is that an important thing in your relationship? I know cause you're, you're oh, dating yeah. someone. Yeah, no chemistry is a really important thing. And I, uh, I married the first person I ever had sex with. So oh. I had had one sexual partner until I was 30 years old. Oh, wow. And then divorce happened. And then you decide to make up for lost time. <laughs> And that I did uh, for for quite a while, and you know it's yeah it's 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 super great and fun for a period, but then it's it's utterly meaningless. And when you finally get to that that point where it's like you know I get no satisfaction out of this, this isn't even fun anymore. Then I think you really start to kind of to kind of grow in what your potential chemistry could be with someone, and so yeah. I, yeah, I, I'd like to think that learning what someone likes sexually and what you can do for them and what they can do for you, it's an ongoing process. Yeah. You're you're never completely there, in my most humble opinion. And so I'm still in the process of trying to figure out everything that my significant other and I can do. Yeah. And it's kind of fun. Yeah. You know, it's it's a fun place to be. Uh this isn't too intimate of a story, but a little while back, we were both neutered up, shall we say. Laying in bed, nothing ever happened. We laid there. She laid on my arm and we talked and we laughed. And we yes, just, see, I love that. We were shooting the shit. We were talking about life and plans and things we wanted to do and what was coming up on the schedule. And we were making jokes and just laughing. And honestly, I don't think I'd ever felt closer to her than that. And nothing sexual happened. Yeah. But we had a great time laughing. And, and I, so, gosh, that's such a good point. Yeah. Kyle, I think sometimes guys go for the, easy thing which is the physical yeah. i think the reason guys i just t- i just coached a girl the other day a woman and she said that uh she goes yeah she was like the last couple of dates like these guys just want sex on the first date you know and and i'm just now as you're talking i'm thinking that's a, a lack of maturity probably on on their part it, it's an immaturity like on the, I, male or the, guy on or the or male on the male feeling like that that's love or that's connection yeah. or that's whatever. It's like, yeah. no, like that, like I've had the same thing. I, I, I've had many of women here at my house and we ended up watching a movie or something and we fall asleep in each other's arm. Nothing happens. Right. Um, and we just cuddled all night and it was awesome. Like it was, it wasn't like, ah, oh, dang it. I, you know, ah, I could have, uh, or does that have to happen? You know? No. And, and I guess guys are the same as maybe women too. There's always those, those occasions where um, you are just raging yeah, and it's yeah. just like, it's all you can think about. And it's like, Oh my gosh, I don't even know. Like I have to be 
inside you, you know, there's that, but that, I mean, even someone that I would consider myself to be pretty on a lot, there've been those times where I'm just like, I'm, I'm good. Like, I'm totally good. This. I'm interested. Do you, so, so one of the things that I challenged or asked myself was, you know, when I was dating was when is the right time? And this again is, is not fully baked, but it's, should the act, the romantic act, whether it's a kiss, a hug, uh, a makeout session, having sex, whatever it is, does it need to kind of the act fall within the trajectory of where your relationship is? And if those get out of sync, it becomes problematic. And what I mean by that is, and again, this is a generalization and averages, there's always going to be a, a situation here or there. But let's say that you like a, a gal and you're, you talk to her for a few days and you seem to be hitting it off. She comes over and you're hitting it the first night and you've only two days in and you're kind of like, was that because again, if it's a one night stand or something that's different, I'm talking about someone that you're, you're interested in being in a relationship. I'm wondering if we F things up sometimes because we get the physical act too much in front ahead of where the, that's such a good question, you know, like, and and because you, your comment about the girl, the guy, so he's like, well, I have sex. And I'm like, the reason is because us guys don't know, like, you know, we're, we don't, we're not willing to stay content or, to be disciplined enough to hang on to maybe a kiss tonight would be more appropriate because yeah. I'm in this thing for the long haul and you build in the emotional bank enough. And when the emotional bank hits certain deposit thresholds is when you're able to cash in on some of these other physical acts along the way. But if you get those out of sync, it just sets something up. Like you were saying about having the girls over or something and they'll spend the night or something like that, you know, and it's early on, it's a one night stand. It's like, you just feel dirty kind of and like, I doing what are you doing here you know like yeah you just it, because it's out of sync right you're you've committed some sort of act that's not in line with maybe your own relational values at the time that's definitely what it is because i think for me like i went through a season once i got divorced much like what kyle was talking about where where i would meet someone and i had a lot of first date sexual experiences and and i knew what they were they knew what it was uh several women that i met were like they just got divorced. I just got divorced. They're in no shape to be in a relationship. I'm in no shape to be in a relationship, but I like sex. You like sex. You're attracted to me and I'm attracted to you. Let's do this. Um, so there had to be, there had to be, for me, there had to be, I put certain things like, okay, here's what I'm ready for. I'm ready for physical intimacy, but not emotional. And then that graduated to, I would be open to emotional. And then I'm open to a girlfriend or marriage. You know what I mean? Like the, for me, I just had to recognize where I was in my journey and what was okay for me to engage in. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, you know, when people say, is it okay to have sex on the first date? I would say, well, it depends. Like if you're okay with it and they're okay with it, then like, okay. But it, you know, much like in this, I'm going all over the place, but much like uh, S and M, you know, like, spank me, choke me, pull my hair, all that stuff. Like I always used to assume that that came from a broken place because I was raised religious, right? Anything outside of just missionary style was fucking the devil. So I, I, now I realize, like, Oh, like some girls just like aggressive, rough sex. Um, just like I like certain things, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you just, you like what you like and it just is what it is. And it doesn't have to come from abuse. But I was, un, and I and had, unfortunately, one of the first experiences I had with anything like that 
I actually asked the girl, like, were you abused? When you <laughs> There's some good pillow that, talk. Oh, that you know that 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 was the wrong fucking question, you know, to ask because no, there there was no abuse. That just she liked that, and so I guess it's almost like anything in life, you know. Well, well why do you like that kind of car? I don't know. I just like that kind of car. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know what the fucking thing is. So, um, so again, knowing where you're at. And knowing what what's okay for where you are in your journey. I mean, did post divorce were you sleeping around? Were you wild at all, or did you were you like, no, I'm going to stay a virgin until I'm married? Or <laughs> no, but it was the same. It was that that I I was like Steve in a lot of ways. I I wanted the connection. I had no interest in the one night stand or something. So you never like, did a one night stand? Oh, a long time ago. When okay, I was young or okay, but not later because that's not what got my rocks off. Like yeah. I wanted the connection really bad. And yeah. so um, to me, I just learned that if things got out of sync physically early compared to where I was in, you know, it, it, it just it didn't, it didn't work. It didn't end well. And I learned that, you know, I had to be disciplined in that, in that way in a lot of ways, but. Um, gosh, gosh, that's such a good, that's a, okay. This is good because this is, this is going to be great for the singles page because I'm learning now. So people always ask when, you know, when is it okay to have sex? You know, when, like, that's such a common question. And, and I don't know if there's a specific answer though, though, what I feel like is, you know, it depends on where you are in your journey, but like best case scenario. Yeah. I think it is to build a connection, build, you know, to, to build some kind of a, no, you know what? I really like you. And, you know, and you're really liking yeah. me. And so this can progress yeah. you're on. You're almost looking at your own internal emotional meter. Yes. When you, were, when you were right out of your divorce, your emotional meter was low. Yes. You didn't want an emotional connection. No, it was no. Almost, but as you looked at your own thermometer, you were like, I'm kind of wanting to connect with someone. And then you, then you realize then I the act that I do then can be commensurate with where my readings are internally. Right. Because the is a good yeah. place to get advice. Yeah, because I think there's, there's fucking, there's making love. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. when I tell guys working with divorce group and stuff, it's hey, asked this, that's a surprisingly common question. Right? I tell them, I was like, when you're to the point, you're not that you that the sex itself is not going to blow up what you got going on, you know. So if you get with a girl, it's a hookup, okay. and, you, and, and you know, and that's all they it can't is. blow it up, yeah. You know? And I've never been a hookup guy, so that's never been my deal. But you know, if you're to the point where you're in a committed relationship, and whether it goes good or bad, it's not going to blow up the relationship. You know, that's, that's where I tell them that that's when I'm okay. See, that's, man, that's so good, Steve. That, which brings me up a, a thought and a question I'm just, that's rolling around in my head. And that's, I've struggled with this. You know, I've been married for 25 years. So this, this whole fucking single thing is like, it's like, how do you fucking date? You know, I'm, you know what I mean? It's like, here, I'm this date coach. I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck to do. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> the, the one, the one thing that I, that I have been trying to, to understand about my, myself and my own journey is how to be in a dating relationship where sex isn't involved as the right out the gate. You know what I mean? Like the, the, like oddly, there's a couple girls in my mind right now that I'm like, okay, am I loosely dating them right now? And I don't know it because we're not having sex. You know what I mean? Like there's girls that I go out with and hang out with and all that. And I'm like, it, like, is this something that should be on my radar? Cause I'm only thinking I'm dating you for fucking, you know, if we're getting intimate, 
then then this is a I'm pursuing you. But now I'm thinking to myself, maybe she's reading it different than you are. You mean? I'm not, I'm well, maybe maybe that. I'm not reading it right. You know, maybe oh. maybe because I'm not having sex with her that yeah. she's this isn't this isn't anything. But maybe it is something, even though there's no sex. You know, so yeah, I you know uh, <laughs> because you're saying your cur- your relational currency is sex. Oh, very so, much so. so. When you're when you're not exchanging. That, that right you're kind of like there's no transaction happening here but you're now it sounds like what you're saying is you're you may be questioning that you even understand your own economy <laughs> absolutely i honestly i don't even know if i should probably not i'm one of it i'm not going to say that so i think for me where i'm at right now is i think now you know over over a year past the divorce i am finally emotionally ready to actually potentially possibly meet a life partner. Like, you know, like meet someone that I want to like spend my life with. And I'm like, how do I do that? You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. Cause I've just kind of got to that. Cause I just was in that space of just wham, bam, wham, bam, wham, bam, wham, bam. You know, like, Hey, let's have fun. Let's have fun. We're living single baby. Now I'm like, okay. Fuck that shit. Like I'm ready to, I'm ready to like have a real deep, meaningful connection with someone. But I say that, but it has to include sex. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, a hundred percent, there's no yeah. way I'm going to get into a relationship where we're like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm like, well, fuck that. Like, no, uh-uh, I'm not going to do that. But I also want whoever that potential person is. No, like, listen, this isn't all about sex. Like, because I love you so much, I want to have sex with you. Duh. I was, I used to coach couples all the time. And I used to tell married couples, I'd say, well, all he wants is sex. I'm like, honey, do you realize what you're telling me? He wants you. You should be fucking thrilled that he wants you and wants you all the time. Like you should be happy, right? Cause if the moment he doesn't want you anymore, that's the moment you should be worried if he's not chasing your ass all over the place, I will, this is where you will probably take my hand card and say, you know, that I've got that I've, my other side of my femininity. But, but when someone says that, I agree with everything you said. I also think it's worth exploring though why she's saying that because she, you're yeah. right. We know we know from talking to females, they want to be desired and wanted. Yeah. He is pursuing her, but yet she's like, all he wants is sex. That makes me think that she's something's up with her. Something's up with her. There's something else there. He's not connecting with her emotionally. On yes. Other levels, you know what I'm saying? And so absolutely. So that, that's, those are always interesting things to me. And I think back to our original comment of you know masculinity and things, I think that's part of why men get branded wrongly because we're like, she's just complaining. I always want to have sex. And we're just thinking that's just a natural desire of ours. When we just haven't been taught to stop and read the music to say, or slow down the music to kind of say like, honey, what's going on? You don't you love the fact that I think you're hot and desirable. Yeah, and I want to express that by having sex. So why is that a problem? And I think that you uh, might get into starting getting. Yeah, sex. what kind of sex are they having? Like if she's never orgasming, that could be a problem. I mean, if he's yeah. just pumping and what they what, pumping and dumping is whatever they say. Right. So I mean, if that's all that happened, well, of course, like well, that would be her emotion. That's, all he wants is sex because exactly, it's not good. Exactly. Fascinating that the mythical guys learn where the clit is. It's just above. So if you're looking at her, if you're between her legs, looking at the vagina, just above, just above the V at the top, there's this little bitty nub. That's the clit. 
You put your finger inside the vagina, bring the finger back up towards her pelvic bone, and there's the G spot. <laughs> That's right. And man, if you stimulate the clit and the G spot, they're going to fucking orgasm. I've been surprised by how many guys I literally have had this conversation recently where someone said, what's it? They thought the G spot was the clit. And I was like, no, the G spot is just, just Google it for Pete's sakes. Google it. Learn that shit. Like, absolutely. I mean, I've been, I have been shocked by the kind of sex that adult men that I've heard. Now I'm sh women can do the adult sex too, where it's just lay there still and like, they're dead. I mean, I get it. It's not just guys that can be lame. Women can be lame too. But I've been shocked by the number of guys that are having sex as, you know, 30, 40, 50 year olds, like we did when we were teenagers, which is you just climbed on and, and then it was over. And, and that was it. There was literally no thought, at least for me, I had no thought or concern for her enjoying it. I thought she just enjoyed it when I was inside. Mm -hmm. right. Like, you know what I mean? Like it yeah. felt good for you, felt good for me. And then bam, right. it happened. This was great. Right. And no thought of, did I don't think I was even aware that a woman could orgasm when I was a teenager. Yeah. That to me is the fascinating part about relationships. That you're willing to look beyond yourself. Yeah. That you're in a, such an intimate, vulnerable, you know, close-knitted relationship with this other person that you're studying them and their wants and their design because we're all different, right? I mean, yeah. you know, Kyle, you said earlier we're you know you guys are in this place where you're continuing to learn mm -hmm. about each other. That that to me is the real pay dirt. Love it, relationship. Oh, yeah, that's so good. So uh, I have to ask this, and we'll close because we've talked about so many wonderful things. Thank you so much for coming on to the show today, guys. Uh, this is this is <laughs> no. Hopefully, we got guys going. Rewind that shit. Rewind. So th there's a movie that talked about the mythical clitoris. You know, which such a funny thing. Guys, find the clit, find the G spot. But I'm just curious. I'm going to put you guys on the spot. I hope you'll be honest about this. Have any of you had a threesome? answer to that for me is a definite no no <laughs> nope nope yep yeah. oh <laughs> damn the only one that's had a three because yeah. i one of my buddies he's a single guy he said he goes he's had so many close calls right like right. he's like i think it might happen you know and then it's like he goes i'm beginning to think it's a fucking myth <laughs> <laughs> he goes it's a fucking myth he goes it's just in porn where the women are paid you know that that the threesome can happen so okay. i'm gonna put you on the spot how the fuck did that happen it was a long time ago in a galaxy far far away <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go with that but here rather, rather than going into how i made it happen which talk about you know being young and dumb and full of whatever <laughs> here's the here's the thing are threesomes mythical? No. Here's where everyone fucks up a threesome. You're going in there, like you guys have talked about, and how you want your sex lives to be. If you're going in there with any kind of emotion, you're already fucked. Uh. You go into a threesome or even a potential threesome with, we're going to have fun. 
Don't put emotion on it. Don't put your feelings out there. It's you, and hopefully if you're doing it the way we're thinking, it's you and two ladies. Everyone is <laughs> yes. Everyone is there to have fun. No one is there to develop feelings or to worry about their future. Everyone's uh, going to get their rocks off. You're going to have a good time. At least in my experience, you'll have a few laughs during the process, which is also kind of fun. Yeah. But don't try and put anything else on it. And, oh, my God, if, if you're in a relationship, and let's say your girlfriend is bi-curious, and she wants to try a threesome, and she's going to let you be involved do not keep trying to go to that well man uh, if you get it one time you count your blessings and you move on with life <laughs> i can see where this is true oh but man if you keep harping on her hey when are we going to do that threesome again you're done oh you're done dealing buddy sorry you're you're finished but no people try and put feelings on it oh i'm gonna get jealous well then you're already way too emotionally invested in your partner to even yeah. worry about something like that get yeah. so, get two people you don't give two shits about and have a great time yeah that's interesting. It's interesting because you can see why it's probably not, it's never been a big interest of mine and yeah. probably not Steve's either. Interesting. Oh, it's very interesting That's to me. indicative of what we've said, right? Yeah. We're more about that connection and bond than we are. And, you, and Kyle's saying you, you can't, can't have, have that. Yeah. You can't okay, I'll have tell you what. So funny story because it does interest me, right? I'm a, I would be the typical guy. Like the mm -hmm. thought of a threesome would be like, ooh, that'd be awesome, right? Um, but definitely more than what you're talking about. Like if I was in a committed partnership, only if she was, you know, by and she wanted to do it, right. would that even be a, even a thought. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would never want to do that outside of that. You know, Correct. in other words, it would be her as a bisexual. You know, her interest. That's the only way. I would. In other words, don't do this for me. You want this? Right. Please, let, please let me play too. Yes. But I've had two opportunities to be in threesomes and I didn't take it. Well, one I did. I wanted to and it got canceled. But mm. um, I still like to say that I got out of that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah yeah there's a, this there's one, a bulletin no, board this, and yes I, this, so much I don't know. yeah i actually <laughs> yeah i got <laughs> no i got i was scheduled for a threesome night it was it was a scheduled thing i got invited to mm -hmm. so two girls what wanted are you thinking all day long like, oh like, i was so like sad you just, you i was when it got did when that when it got canceled when it got canceled it got <laughs> it got canceled 24 hours before oh, okay. so like literally like it was gonna happen right and i'm all excited and, and i was like hey are we still on for the threesome with you and your friend and and she goes yeah i talked to you know whatever her name was she goes yeah she's still good we're excited i'm like oh man i was so excited and then 24 hours out I got a text. Somebody got the cold feet. It's something, ha yeah, something that yep. didn't happen, and that it never got revisited. Never, and of course, I never. I'm, you know, I'm at least smart enough that I never brought it you back. Don't, up. Yeah, no, don't. I just let it go. Yep. But, the, but the other time that I had the opportunity, this one was clearly an opportunity, and I just didn't take it. But it was when I was, you know, super religious. I was mm -hmm. right out. I was in Bible college at the time, oddly enough, and it was a coworker. To, these two girls, they were uh, bi curious or bisexual, whatever. And uh, they invited me to come over that night. They were like, hey, when you get off work, you know, come over. We're, we're, we're having a little party. I go, oh, cool. And they go, well, the party's just us two, and we want you to come. And they were like, oh. And then, then they, you know, said a few things. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, shit's <laughs> legit. They were a little suggestive. I, I chickened out because yeah. I was, how old was I? I think it was like 19 or 20. And these girls were probably like 25, 26. Mm. And it was like, these were women. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was not like, you know what I mean? Like I was a little boy. I wasn't going to be able to probably perform or, or yeah. do it, you know, and make it happen. I would have, I think the pressure of it would have 
my little fellow would have been like, uh, no, we're not showing up to that party, buddy. It's interesting, like on, from a guy's perspective and then, you know, Kyle, you, how much can you be, I'd be too concerned about performance and it, and it'd be, you know what I'm saying? Like, am I being manly enough here? Rather just having fun, just having fun and going in it completely just shredding all of that. It seems like you'd have to go into it like that, as opposed to. I'm going to be the rock star, porn star, come out yeah. of this thing, you know. I think you'd have to take Viagra. <laughs> I, I mean, like, if I was going to, like, if that was, I'd like, I feel like I, the, right. that yeah. I would might overthink it yeah, because too. that I'm like, you know what, I'm going to have to take something because yeah. I don't want this to fuck with what's going on right. down here. <laughs> I can I can tell you straight up, though, I know we're guys and we like to be a center of attention, but in a threesome, you're not. Yeah. You oh. may be the only guy there with a pecker, but it's about whoever brought you to the dance. Uh, you know, if it, let's say it's your girlfriend and either she's curious or she is by, she is including you. This is about her uh, and not about your sorry ass. You're just lucky to be there. So just know your place. <laughs> and again, I'm just lucky to be here. <laughs> Woo! That's right. You just strip down and hope for the best. Oh <laughs> man. Well, we're going to end it on that right there. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for the final uh, episode of our first series of peckers we're going to be doing it again once a month we're going to do a once a month uh podcast with these lovely gentlemen and talk about shit that man or men deal with so if you ever have any thoughts or ideas make sure to shoot me an email or leave a comment here peace out everybody